When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know, somebody... Sometimes people ask me, would I ever be interested in going into politics? Yes, they do, actually. Would I ever be interested in going into politics? I always tell them two things. One, I would never go into a a politician or never join a political party that would have me as a member. I never would. Never would be join a political party that would be stupid enough to have me as a member. But what I would love to do if I went into politics is become a member of the opposition. Because they know everything. Do you ever know that? They have all of the answers all of the time. So I'd have to be in opposition because then you know everything. Then you're blessed with the knowledge of the wisdom of Solomon. Do you know the answers to everything? Just a random thought, as it were. 1850-715-996. Good morning to you. We will be checking in with Australia later this morning because if you're to believe what you read which is always something you should do with great care but if you're to believe what you read particularly in some parts of social media it's all falling apart in Australia and the great zero COVID dream of normal life in Australia well it's all falling to bits it isn't You can. it isn't they have a problem in Sydney uh, but they're dealing with it but other than that no not really a problem they've been a bit busier the public health doctors have been busier of late, but we checked in with our good pal Niall Conroy in Queensland. Uh, things are far from what you're reading on social media. We'll be checking in with with him a little bit later on. 1850-715-996 is our number. We'll go first to Charlene. We talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, and look, we've talked many times on the programme about being wary of getting caught. There's a scam going around about the Department of Social Protection. There are scams going around about your PPS number. There are three or four different calls a day. People are getting three or four different calls a day from fairly legitimate looking mobile numbers, and they're a scam. 
So you're, everyone's kind of on, on high alert, but you can still be caught. Charlene, good morning to you. PJ, how are you? Morning. What happened to you, girl? You know what? And like you've literally just hit the nail in the head there. You know, with legitimate numbers, we're all getting them at the moment. Social protection, HSE, but I'm just a, a, a cork business that's not even a year in business. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to be honest, you know, and the reason why, you know, I want to make a little bit noise about, like about this because number one, anyone that um, creates a platform online and builds a following um, to sell and run um, a business, they will all know how soul-destroying it is to lose that much following. Yeah. Um, You know, 14K to, to some might be nothing, but to me... It's a livelihood. It's where 80% of my business came from. Your business is called Box of Kindness. What do you do? Um, So I sell luxury gift boxes to um, -to one-to-one and corporate. We've dealt with very big corporates last year, thankfully. um, And people have been nothing but supportive of the concept of our business. Because uh, I suppose, CJ, you can literally send a box of kindness to anyone. Yeah. Um, obviously, we do baby boxes, weddings, birthdays, or just if you want to send a box of kindness to someone to cheer them up. But um, Just little treats for people, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And At a time is, when we could well do with them, do you know? Yeah. Exactly, PJ. You know, don't worry, I'll send you one. <laughs> but, <laughs> Wasn't um, it's, it's, it's just a case where, you know... Um, I'm actually, you know, I'm not as upset today, but yeah. like, you know, it's like someone coming in and literally stealing all my stock. Yes. Like, you know, it's like, oh, they're followers. Yeah. Why don't you contact Instagram? Of course I went all those avenues. I can't. These are educated criminals yeah. that have literally, they're circling. And like, I hope people listening are aware that there is an Instagram page called King Sanchez on Instagram that can't be taken down and it was previously my page, Box of Kindness. Let's let us start at the very start, Charlene. When did you first notice that something wasn't quite right? To be honest, PJ, I was in Dingle for the weekend and on Sunday I got a very legitimate looking message from Instagram. And just in speaking to other business owners and that in the last kind of 24, 48 hours, they were like, you know, we've received the same. But it was basically saying that if I don't um, follow the link and, you know, fill in my email, I'd be banned from my Instagram because of using a, um, a song um, that was copy infringement. I hope I've correct terminology Copyright, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I, I did that, and I like to be honest. With you, I don't know. Like I feel a little bit silly. Like, uh, we've really all been we've my... all been pulled up on copyright, Charlene, on Facebook, yeah, yeah, and, and, and that or some. You know, you're out in a, you're out in a club uh, and you record a video, and there's a song yeah. on the back, and you get pulled up by Facebook about about the copyright. It's not, that and, happens, and but so, so but the a, thing is, PJ, like you know, I, you know, I, I'm a legitimate limited company. Yeah, like you know, so obviously I try to do everything by the book, and like it's heartbreaking that. 
I, you know, naively, and that's what, like, I'm like, please, people, you know, I don't want another person like me. Know. You know, like, I'm starting from the start. Yeah. Um, but so so you, you, was, you obviously responded to this email, and, and what happened then? Sorry, you know, I just gave my email. Right. I just gave my email, and I woke up on um, Monday morning, ready to come home, and I had messages from followers on Facebook, and messages in my group chat saying, lads, King Sanchez, who's this person? Because we're all following them. <laughs> like, literally, you know, everything had been deleted, content or whatever. But again, you know, I- I'm not hugely tech savvy. So um, a friend of mine, Brenda, gave me um, a contact for a tech savvy guy, uh, Rona Murphy from Smart Tech. Yeah, we know Rona. Um, yeah. I- yeah, I can't thank him enough. And I mean that. Um, so I got on. Again, like, I, I thought that I'd be like, oh, I'll have this back by 12 o'clock. I, I mean this now, you know? Because I, I, you would never think, sure, I'm a small fish in a big pond of Instagram. Why would they go after me? Yeah. You know, and like, it, it's, it doesn't make sense. But Ronan obviously uh, tried to help me and, you know, he knows more than I. We're going through, um, you know, avenues trying to get it back and... You know, uh, we knew a contact in Facebook and, you, you know, like just the basic avenues before I, I have to kind of come to terms, but I have to start again. Were they looking for money? So basically, um, Ronan made contact um, with King Sanchez. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm absolutely wrecked from saying the word King Sanchez or the name. But um, they uh, got back to Ronan and said she can have her page back for €10,000. Now, PJ, to be honest, I don't know what they think I'm selling in those boxes, but where they thought I was going to get €10,000 to get my page of 14,000 followers back, I do not know. Yeah. And this all was going on up to 20 to 10 on Monday nights with them going pay up or we, you know, we give our page back and we're going to hack other um, followers of hers. And like, you've no idea, like I'm, like, I'm rattled. Because, like, take me out of it, but what if they start doing it to other people that, you you know, the amount of people that followed me and supported my business, obviously it's shown in the last 48 hours too, but I don't want any of them to be, and I mean, this is really genuine, like, it's not like, oh, Jesus, would she be quiet about her followers? It's not that. Well, these are your customers. Who trusts you? Exactly. You're running a business. The most important relationship is the is the relationship with your customer, and you're afraid. And I have a good one with them. Yeah. You, you know, I'm sure you have. And you're afraid that this Sanchez character, whoever they are, will go after your customers. That's the last thing you want. Yeah, like it, it's just a case where you know I'm still getting screen grabs. You know, people have blocked or reported, and Instagram, like they're not doing anything about it. You know, so we have to. Like, uh, what, what has Ronan found out from Instagram with regard to being able to take the page down they, or block it or whatever? They literally cannot do anything. They're not even responding. Why not? It's because there are thousands and thousands per day. There are situations where companies are being hacked and they're looking for like a, a billion euro. I'm not joking here. Like this is feedback from Ronan. Like he yeah. runs a, a tech company. You know, so I'm not taking this from the sky. Oh, no, he's one know? of the best in the business. We've spoken to oh, him before. Yeah. So they were looking for 10 grand and you obviously and had no intention. So where are we now? 
Oh yeah, so they then kept on bringing the money down to a thousand, and obviously I could take the money out of my company, pay, and write it off as an expense. But what happens in three weeks' time when King Sanchez comes back again? Like, I can't do that. Mm. I'd be absolutely so silly to pay one cent to this crook. And what is Ronan telling you to do? No, it's fair play. Um, I, I've started again. I have a brand new page. Um, right. And thankfully, um, you know, I've nearly four and a half thousand followers. I don't know where they're coming from, but you have no idea how grateful I am. Um, because I, I, I've just, I feel like very, like down, and oh, yeah. it's a grim situation. Well, I don't know if it, if it, if it makes the bitter pill any easier to swallow. Possibly not. But Charlene, it's I, it's a, a, a month or more ago, but I did speak to someone in exactly the situation that you now find yourself. Exactly. A, a business terrible. built up to a certain level of following, answered an innocuous-looking message, oh my God. found themselves in a position where someone had whipped the page out from under them and they had to try to get, I think in their case, it was about fifteen or 16,000 followers back. Yeah. And they had refused point-blank to part with any money and they were just trying to build up again. And this but seems to be a very common practice on the gram. Yeah, like, to be honest, PJ, you know... Um, like obviously I don't know much about hackers I've obviously heard you know heard it around like it's circulating for the last few months but it's a matter of like this can actually happen like you know to to anyone yeah it like I I I you know people just need to be cared that they're extra vigilant on social media and especially people you know running a business bloggers influencers you know they'll all be nodding their heads when I'm talking about this this morning because they get it. Like, could you imagine, you know, someone with a half a million followers with a big brand losing everything and the likes of Rona Murphy not being able to help us because, you know, I know my business, but I don't know the tech side of it. I'm being completely transparent here, you know, and I think, you know... That seems to be a a very common enough complaint too, Charlene. And again, there's there's no blame to you because that's how the platform, Instagram or anything, that's how they're set up. They're meant to be user-friendly. They're meant to be easy to build your page. they want us to sell on their platform. They do, they do. And they make it really easy for you to do it. But then at the other end, they don't seem to protect you very well. Yeah, like, it's just, you know, these, this Russian gang, um, King Sanchez, I I don't know if it's he or she or five people, like, you know, but the thing is, you know, these are real people that literally are outsmart because they're tech. Like, mm. you know, and the thing is, you know, I, I people are like, did you check Instagram? Did you check Facebook? I know I'm not that tech savvy, but I'm not that well, you know, so You know something as well, Charlie, and I'm sure Ronan told you this. Like, this wasn't a gang who said, oh, look, there's Charlene and her 14,500 no. followers. They did that uh, let, for fun. They didn't. They, they dropped this into a million accounts and hopefully yeah. someone will pay back. Now, can we help you to right. get followers back? Um, so I obviously have a new um, um, Instagram page, which I would absolutely love anyone to come support. And what's it called? It's, so it's box underscore of kindness. Yeah. So it's it just slightly changed, but 
Um, I'm sure if they put in box of kindness, you know, it'll come up. Yeah. Because PJ, people, like, they're so decent. Like, they're actually, you know, I always say, like, I, I'd never, you know, look down on anyone. I'd always help them up. I, like, and people are showing me the same decency. I'm actually are. getting upset. I don't know. Anyway, okay. I won't. I won't go on because it's like you no, don't need this drama in the morning. But, no, but, but like, this is this, Charlene. This is the reality of running a small online-based business. You're doing your level best. You're, you're putting hours and hours and days and days into this at a time, and then with a click of a mouse or a p- touch of a button, these guys <laughs> take it from you and try to extract money from you in the hope of getting it back. Yeah, and like, they did well, it to thousands at the one time, and you know, somebody I, else I up the road gave PJ, them the money. Yeah, I was just going to say, so they're making money, you know, it could be a small percentage that will pay up. Because to be honest with you, when I, when I was on the way home from Jingle, I actually considered, I was saying to a friend of mine, you know, look, will I write the thousand euro off and give it and get my followers back? And just being able to go about my business, you know, it's actually our first birthday on the 25th of July. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the year we've had, like, I mean, PJ, I came up with a small concept during the pandemic. And this concept has literally blown my mind. Like we've sold to corporates like Pepsi, Leia, like you've no idea. Like they've taken us on and trusted us mm. with, you know, and that is huge for someone that this idea could have been a big flop. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I just want people to know that we're still there. We are still doing, you know, go on to our website. It's boxofkindness.ie because obviously our Instagram page has no imagery at the moment. I'll be quite honest with you, PJ. I actually just can't bring myself to actually, you know, do anything like that for the next few days. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll be back and kicking, you know, like as in it's just... Um, for, for for now, I just want people to be aware because this is actually serious. Like they, 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 these people, as you said yourself, they'll come in and you know they 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 will take over lots of accounts and up on this King Sanchez account right now. Previous box of kindness, they're saying you know give us a name of account you want to hack or delete, we'll do it. Like this is actually uh, like crazy and some of my followers are still following because I I have no control Mm. only to actually try to get it out there to as much people, you know? So thank you for having me on. And do you know what I'm going to say to you? Stop beating yourself up. I can hear you doing it. Thank you so much. I can hear you doing it. Anyone that knows me knows like that I, you know, I made a hard stuff like, but this isn't your fault, Charlene. So thank you. And I'll say something else for you, right? And I'll, I'll give it to you. I live by it, right? And it's very important. Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Yeah, absolutely. You'll get this and back. You will died. get this Every, back. Everything is okay. Everything you know, is okay. Like, then I don't want it, it, um, first world problems. No, listen, listen. That, you know. No, no, that, that rubbish goes nowhere but me. If people say first yeah. world problems, <laughs> this is your business. You, this is as important. This is as important to you. This is like someone burning down a shop in the North Main Street. That's the equivalent yeah. to you. Thanks, PJ, because that actually is so so true. This is like you're um, running a small business in North Main Street selling gift boxes, 
and someone comes in and burns it down on you and then says, I'll pay you. If you pay me, I'll build it back up again for you. That's exactly what's been done to you. So so don't, yeah. don't you know, don't beat yourself up about it, all right? Yeah, no, no, thank you so much. Um, and it's box, and if anyone wants to go find you, it's box underscore of kindness and the website is what? Boxofkindness.ie? It is indeed, yeah. Right. And hopefully, PJ, next year you might go into Brown Thomas and see us in there. There you, you go. That's the spirit. <laughs> I have to think big. Don't uh, I? Think big, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, Brown Thomas, Selfridge's woman. Self, have you listen? No better woman. Have you no ever seen? Woman. Have you ever? Have you seen Mr. Selfridge the series? No, I, but I'm going to watch it. Get now. it for, get yeah, it for yourself like and watch. I think it might yeah. be on Netflix as well. Get it yeah. for yourself. Have a look at it. That's how they built. He built retail from a I hole in the ground. Next to me, box of kindness on the shelves and selfishes. Oh, think think thank big, you girl. So much. Take no, care. Thank you. See ya. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye, Charlene. 1850-715-996. Kate says, it's time for in-person buying and selling to come back. These websites always end badly. It's the people who you physically bought from that you remember. I witnessed a 16-year-old hacking account. It is way too easy. And that's it, kid. It is way too easy, but there's literally no protection for someone like Charlene. But this is the online equivalent of you opening up a small little shop in North Main Street or in Douglas or in Barrick Street or wherever. You're putting your, all your work and your blood, sweat and tears into it. And then some fellow comes in and burns it down or locks you out and says, I'll pay you to get back in. You can pay me to get back in. That's exactly what it is. 1857-15996. Cork's 96FM is now streaming even more music choice. More music choice. Check out the Hit Mix online for fresh new music. Keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice. And stream the all-new Fit Mix for your workout. Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. Courts 96fm. We were talking yesterday about the vaccine certs and the passes coming out in the post by the email. I haven't got mine yet. Uh, The missus got hers yesterday evening. Fergal got his yesterday afternoon. I haven't had mine just yet. I have a funny feeling because I got mine at my GP. I may well get mine at in the post. I don't know. I'll get it. It's fine. But if it doesn't come, I won't be ringing the number because the number isn't working yet. And yesterday morning, all these certs came out with a number on them and the number wasn't working. Craig says, hi, PJ, do you know if the COVID cert helpline is operating yet? I spent 25 minutes on it yesterday listening to music and it was telling me how important my call was to them. I gave up in the end. Only in Ireland could they publish a helpline number without it being operational, total incompetence. Our, our understanding is that that number isn't yet operational. Now, when I say understanding, we were hoping, and in fact, we'd been speaking to his office yesterday. We had booked uh, a call with Minister Oshin Smith, who's responsible for this this morning and we had a few questions lined up for him and we were going to see where we were standing with this whole damn thing and the minister's office pulled him from the program at two minutes to nine this morning so they're all confused we, we, we might have him tomorrow or later or whatever we'll see pat dawson was back on pat was on yesterday about the travel search and the importance of if you do plan to go overseas go abroad the name on your vaccine pass must match the name on your passport. And if there isn't, you have a problem. Uh, Pat has been back on just by text 
to say that rules and regulations have changed again. Uh, so listeners should check everything. And Pat did give us this this app yesterday, and I downloaded it and I've been looking at it, and it's a fabulous app, and it's very handy for anyone who does plan to travel after the 19th. It's called Reopen EU, and you open it up there, and it's got all the countries, every country, all the regulations for going in and going out, whether your vaccine pass works, whether you need a PCR or an antigen to get in, a PCR or an antigen to get out. It's very good. And that's the app that Pat Dawson recommended yesterday called Reopen EU. Uh, 1850-715-996. So as, the, as we speak, we do not know whether that call centre number is working or not. The confusion yesterday, and then not, not to mind the confusion about the GPs, were they in it, in in it, were they not? Could you ring your GP? Could you not ring your GP? Should you? It was a mess, an absolute carnival of errors from yesterday morning. And I don't think it's settled yet. But if we get more information on that, I'll bring it to you. My comments on being in opposition, <laughs> I guess in opposition you can promise the world and never have to deliver so much as as an island, but at the same time, you owe the opposition after your comments. Oh, I love this. You owe the opposition an apology after your comments this morning. We need the opposition. It was rude. No, it wasn't rude. (laughs) I was just saying, I'd love to be in opposition. Because then, you have all the answers and you know everything. If you've never noticed that, I have for certain. For certain, I have. (laughs) 1850-715-996. I remember actually after um, Fianna Fáil went into opposition a few years ago, I remember meeting Billy Kelleher at a conference. I said, yes, Billy, I said, it's great over there in them opposition benches. You've all the answers now. <laughs> oh, stop. 1850-715-996. Come here to me. If you want a bit of music and you're missing festivals and you are missing events and you're missing gigs and hopefully they'll be back all next year. Well, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. Our Back Garden Festival is now streaming exclusively online, bringing all the festival stars to your back garden with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. You can listen on the app right now or wait till after the opinion line, please, or go to 96fm.ie. <laughs> Cork's 96FM's Be Kind to Your Mind with GP, author and wellness expert, Dr. Mark Rowe. The pandemic has really had an impact on people's mental health and emotional well-being. You don't have to make radical changes to really enhance your well-being. I talk about the power of small, the the small positive changes that will add up to make a big difference. So I think self-care is really, really important. It's an absolute foundational choice by looking after yourself, whether it's your physical health, your mental health or your emotional well-being, that you doing that not just enables you to be the best version of you in the world. It supports everybody around you, whether it's your family, your work colleagues, your friends, neighbours, your community. Helping you through COVID. Helping you through COVID. Cork's 96FM. 96FM. I will go through at some stage what we know about your passes. Uh, Some of them are coming by email still and they should be dropping in the post from today. They were put in the post yesterday, so they should be dropping in the post from today. If you get one in the post this morning, let me know at 
996. Emails were flying in all evening. I haven't seen mine yet. Mrs. has hers. Fergal has his. I think Katie has hers. I'm not sure. A few of the lads in the newsroom have theirs. Uh, but I haven't known anyone who's got one by post yet. 1850-715-996. There has been much talk in the last week or so about Australia. And as you know on this programme, we've been in constant contact with Australia, both the, the, the people, listeners to the programme, who, who live and work out there, etc., etc. Getting, you know, regular updates from the land of wonder down under as to what exactly is happening. And in the last week or two, uh, we've heard about Sydney, for example, going into a lockdown and other cities going into a lockdown around Australia. So, figured it was time to catch up with the voice of science and reason. He's a man running a huge public health unit in Queensland, and he is an Irishman who's spoken to him many times, Dr. Niall Conroy. We caught up again yesterday. Niall, over the last week or so, we've seen a few posts on social media saying it's all falling apart in Australia, the zero COVID plan has failed. What is the reality? I know you've had a bit of a crisis, but what is the reality? Yeah, it's all been a little bit triumphant, actually, and in some quarters, um, you know, as if this was sort of some inevitable collapse of the House of Cards. But Australia is a massive country, you know, arguably a continent. And what you've got at the moment is you you had sort of all these simultaneous outbreaks happening around the country. And really, the sort of the epicentre of all this is New South Wales, where Sydney is. Mm. And, you know, but, but I think you have to look at that in, in the context of what's going on in the rest of the world. So Sydney are now getting sort of 80 to 110 cases per day. And that's, that's in a population, you know, of 8 million people. Mm. And, you know, I, I think people look at this, this whole idea of that Sydney have had to go into a sort of a version of lockdown again. And I think people are looking at the lockdown through the lens of lockdowns in Europe. So in Europe and the US, when you go into lockdown, it tends to be because things are out of control. In Australia, you go into lockdown when you're worried that things might get out of control. So at the minute, you know, the, the New South Wales and Sydney health system isn't overwhelmed. You, you know, the, 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 there's not the, the, there's not a shortage of oxygen. There's not people lining up and, you know, in hospital corridors. But of course, that's what can happen when you get an explosive wave of COVID. So they've gone into lockdown to try and, and control that. Mm. And, and how long is that lockdown territory. likely to be? I think it's going to be quite a few weeks um, because it's it's just at the early stages at the minute, you know. So it's jumping. Their case numbers are jumping about 20 a day, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's probably at the beginning of what we call exponential growth, which is that real sort of explosive growth. Mm. And, um, you know, the incubation period for this thing is about two weeks. You're always working about two weeks behind. So I'll put it to you this way, PJ. I had a trip to Sydney planned for early September and I cancelled it today because I wasn't certain that things would be opened up then, you know. But mm. I mean, I, I could be wrong, um, mm. but but no, nobody ever really knows. But yeah. what I would say is Sydney has been through this before and they're very good at dealing with, with these sort of outbreaks, similar to the rest of us. I mean, we, we've had the same in Queensland and um, we were we were lucky. We have had about 50 cases in the last month and we, we needed a lockdown of about three days 
but that was all confined to really the big cities, you know, um, Brisbane, the Gold Coast, the Sunshine Coast. Mm. But again, to put things in context, PJ, like I live, I, I live outside the, the cities and I, I live in a town of about sort of 300,000 people and we we haven't been in any form of lockdown in over a year the, the most I've had to do is I think there were about five days a few months ago where we had to wear masks in the shopping centre mm. and at indoor events you know so when people talk about Australia's in lockdown you know you, you've got a problem in Sydney Victoria is doing very well. Western Australia is doing very well. Northern Territory is doing very well. And Queensland is doing very well. So, you know, it, it, I am worried about what's going on in Sydney because a bit like a snowball at the early stage when it's rolling down the hill, it doesn't look massive, but it's getting bigger and bigger. Mm. And that's certainly what's happening in Sydney. But they're they're all over it. They're on top of it. And mm. I, I think, like has happened multiple times before, they'll they'll get on top of it and they'll control it. Is it Delta is the problem? Yeah. yeah. Delta's now everywhere, PJ. And uh, ironically, though, the, um, the the wave in Queensland, or what's been described as, uh, described as the wave in Queensland, was actually five distinct clusters. And there were four Delta clusters and one Alpha cluster. And Alpha is what people used to know as the old sort of British variant. And actually, the um, the Alpha one is the one that's that's caused us the most problems. So of the sort of 50 cases we've had in the last month, about 35 of them have been alpha, you know, it's been giving us a lot more trouble than, than Delta. But um, I mean, generally speaking, Delta's, Delta's more contagious, more of a worry. But actually, yeah, it's been interesting, the uh, the recent Queensland experience that uh, alpha has caused us all the sleepless nights. So if I could probe a little bit into your own work Niall, as a public health doctor out there, so you hear of a cluster in your catchment area. What then do you do? So we're utterly relentless. If there's a, I mean, forget a cluster in my catchment area. If there's a case in my catchment area, we'll 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 take that individual and we'll put them into into isolation. And um, we can we can put them into isolation in their own home if we feel that they can't isolate safely. We put them into a sort of a, a government-run hotel quarantine situation. Um, but the the key is we find out every detail of where they've been, and I mean every detail of every place they've been while they were infectious. We then go to all of those locations and we find everyone who was in those locations at the time and we make an assessment. Some of those people we'll put into quarantine, some of those people we'll just test, some of those people we'll just give some advice to, but we will find everyone who's been to those locations. To to give you an example, I think um, in the sort of 50 cases we've had in Queensland, we contacted probably three, four thousand people and, um, you know, did everything from give them some advice to put some of them into quarantine, you know. But the, but the point is that what you do, is you, you look at your case and you think about who could this person have possibly transmitted the virus to and you find all those people. And if they're high risk, then you put them into quarantine. If they're low risk, you test them and give them some advice about looking for symptoms and you let them get on their way. But the big job we have is tracking down all those people. Like we'll go to, if our case was, um, if our case was in a bank, we'll find everyone who was in the bank 
at the same time as them, you know, using check-in data. Because everyone has to check in when they're going into the bank or a service station or a supermarket here, you know. So that's that's the, the big job, but it's very, very effective. Like, you know, you, you'll only pass the virus on to people that you've been in contact with. And if we find everyone you've been in contact with, then we can control the, the um, you know, the, the case before it becomes a cluster. And that's really what we do. And it, it works very well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not to everyone's taste. Some people outside of Australia find it a bit, you know, a bit intrusive, the fact that, um, you know, we, we collect so much data on people going into various premises. But in Australia, it's very it's very popular because we, we live with a fairly high degree of freedom. And I think um, people recognise that that's, you know, that's a fairly unique and lucky position compared yeah. to the rest of the world at the moment. How is vaccination going over there? Because we were talking a couple of weeks ago on the programme to a woman who went back after a visit to Ireland and she was saying she was waiting to get her vaccine, but there was a degree of hesitation. Is there? Yeah, and vaccination is probably the biggest challenge we're facing. So there's a couple of sort of things, I suppose, that that went on here. Um, Initially, um, the European Union actually blocked some of the vaccine coming to Australia. Um, you know, because they, they sort of argued, well, you guys don't need it, you know, which, which I mean, we, we, we don't agree with that perspective. We, we think we've worked hard to keep our cases low and we, we deserve the vaccine, but it is what it is. So we we had difficulties with um, with, with actually getting our hands on, on physical vaccine initially. Um, but then there's the other issue, and this has been, you know, for as long as I've been doing outbreaks, this has always been a problem, that people who are not at risk you know, in their day-to-day life are not as motivated to get the vaccine. I, I see people at home in Ireland just desperate to see, well, when can I register for a vaccine? In in Australia, that, that, that hasn't necessarily been the case. People, mm. you know, are sort of saying, well, COVID isn't part of my day-to-day life here. If you, if you live in, in White Bay, where I live, you know, we haven't had, a, we haven't had an active case of COVID in months. And, um, you know, so people are not queuing up sort of saying I'm desperate to get a vaccine and um, so that there's been a bit of a mm. there's been a slow uptake but actually um, the the situation in Sydney um, has, has, has changed and actually there's a lot of demand now so um, I, I think adults will be offered a vaccine by the end of the year so we're we're a bit behind mm. um, I suppose where, where Ireland is but by the same token, um, you know, we're, we're there, I suppose, because of the successes we've had. And I don't think many people would change mm. sort of the, the, the fact that, you know, if you look at Queensland, we, we have a population the same as Ireland and we've had seven deaths, you know. We've had 5,006, Nile, by contrast. Yeah, which must be about twice what, what, what our Ireland saw during the Troubles. And, you know, it's just dreadful to see. And really, to be, to be honest with you, from, from looking at it from outside in, it's just mind-blowing level of death. death. Let's look a little bit at the situation here at home, because I know you do keep in, in contact. Like, mm-hmm. where we are at the moment with uh, discussing the reopening of indoor dining, and we have cases, 600 cases a day now at this stage. Like, what if, if you were running a unit here in Cork, right now, what would you be looking for the government to do? Nothing? Or go backwards? Well, yeah, you see, they've got themselves into the stage where it's sort of, it's almost too late to 
to go back to where they should have gone, isn't it? You know, I mean, patently, they, they, they should have a long time ago taken the sort of the, you know, the mandatory hotel quarantine for everybody coming in and really the sort of the aggressive suppression of cases. Um, and that, that hasn't happened. Um, and I, I think it will be almost impossible politically for a, a sort of a, a massive change of direction on that front. So I, I think the main thing that Ireland has to do now is be willing to be reactive. And what I'm concerned about in Ireland at the minute is that, you know, I, I keep I keep an eye on things. And, you know, a few weeks ago, you're seeing sort of 300 cases and then 400 and then 500. And, you know, it, it looks like you're getting into that phase of that early exponential growth, mm. which is that potential for explosive growth. And what you do in that situation, tighten things up a little bit until more people are vaccinated mm. and then have another go at loosening things up. But, but by the same token, I, you know, I think you're probably at the stage of vaccination where you need to, you need to be a little bit ambitious at times. But I, I'm just concerned this could go either way, right? And and I and I think I never trust people who say that they know exactly what's going to happen because we're really into uncharted territory yeah. here. We really are, you know. Now, aiming for September to get everyone vaccinated and opening up your indoor dining, etc. It could all actually go okay. You're definitely going to see an increase in cases. There's no question when you open up indoor dining. But the question is, will you see an increase in hospitalisation and deaths? I mean, you will see a slight increase, but is it a is it an explosive increase or is it something that society can tolerate in exchange for sort of a better quality of life? Mm. And I think that's what that's what you, that's what we don't really know yet. Mm. You see the Neffet projections. And the difference between their optimistic projections and their pessimistic are massive. And that reflects the fact that there's a huge unknown here. And and the thing is, there's so much more to it than sort of raw data. When you open up dining, it's not a case of a lot of people are trying to say, well, I looked at the numbers and this is how it looks like it's going to go. It's going to depend on how many people go to restaurants, how many households mix, how many, how people, whether people go when they're sick, you know, or whether they're they're, they're sort of more um, restrained and are willing to say, no, I'm not going to go. I have a, I have a runny nose. I'm going to go and get tested. So the point is, anything could happen, right? It could go either way. But what you have to be, the real leadership is not in just saying, well, we're going to open up in the middle of July or the end of July or whatever. It's in being able to say, hang on a minute, this isn't going well. We need to pull back. And from what I see in Ireland, the the, the, the politics of that, like, like if things go wrong, I, 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 I mean, I am not an expert in Irish politics, but it looks like it'll be very, very difficult to pull things back, mm. to, to, to add more restrictions into the mix, because there hasn't been a conversation that says, we're going to try this for a few weeks, we're going to see how it goes, mm. and if it doesn't work, we're going to pull it back. And that's the key. You can do what you want in an outbreak. You can do nearly anything in an outbreak, as long as you just do it for a set period of time and you evaluate it, and you're willing to pull back, hmm. you know? We, we also have the uh, complicated situation in, in the UK next Monday. We're looking over going, are you crazy? Are, are they crazy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the problem with this is that in every outbreak in history, one of the biggest determinants of how well you do 
is how well your closest neighbours do. <laughs> and, um, you, you know, it's unfortunate that for what seems to be political reasons that, you know, the UK government have decided really to just let things go. And look, it, it, there's, there's a lot of complex modelling and complex discussion to be had. But a good rule of thumb is that when you get a virus that's a new strain and it's early in its evolution, you don't just let it rip. You control it, you know, and you, you try and live some kind of life with it until you can bash it down to really tiny levels in the community and you can sort of vaccinate it out of existence. Letting a pandemic strain of a virus that evolves reasonably quickly, that's just, nobody can think that's a good idea. Hmm. And um, yeah, that, that that doesn't look great. And I, I think they know that in Britain. They've sort of been preparing people for it. And, um, you know, this idea that we're going to see our debts in the summer rather than the winter, this is, you know, this is talk that, that sort of um, doesn't, it doesn't have the hallmarks of anybody involved in public health having having much of a say in, in how it all happened. It looks very political to me. But, yeah, it's not great news for Ireland, mm. I'd have to say. Yeah. Just focus back on Australia again for, for a minute. And, again, the Irish in Australia, who we speak to from time to time, they tell us, well, you know what? Life is good. It's grand. We're getting on as relatively normal. But we feel trapped and, and we can't get home to our families and they can't come to us. Now, you're just became a new dad six months ago I'm sure there's people that would like to meet the new member of the family do you feel a bit trapped out there? Oh, utterly PJ I mean, you know I I said last Christmas um, when we were just expecting the little fella the only thing keeping me going through being stuck here for Christmas is the idea that next Christmas he'll be one and um, you know and we'll have a great Christmas at home and I, I think I've sort of finally accepted that we're just not going to be able to um, to get home for Christmas I, my, I've worked in all corners of the world from Sierra Leone to Somalia to Nepal and the one agreement I've always had before I've gone anywhere is that I'm allowed leave for Christmas I really really value um, having Christmas with the family in Ireland and I missed last Christmas and I've accepted now I'm going to miss this Christmas and that's really hard to take and you know but we we, we talk a lot about this um, at home me and my wife you know and I suppose um, you know it's it's probably um, you know there's the swings and roundabouts but it, it's you do feel trapped there's no question about it but mm. we've a big continent that we can travel around at the moment mm. um, you know and we are, I suppose with a, with a six month old we have all this freedom of movement you know so I don't have to think about next weekend or the week after what, what I'm going to do with my wife and my son you, you know we, we have this free movement which is, which is really um, I, I suppose we're in a very lucky position compared to a lot of people around the world so you know it swings around about mm. and um, you know there comes a point that you just have to sort of accept it but yeah it's a lot of Irish people are over here as you well know and pretty much everyone's feeling a, yeah. <laughs> a little bit over it now you know yeah a little bit over it just to say the very very least mm. where, where do you see it yeah. going now Mike Ryan said recently this pandemic is nowhere near over but in the context of what you can address do you think you're anywhere near to the end of it and Mike Ryan is right the um the, the problem is that we're we're actually very close to having all of our adults um vaccinated or at least offered a vaccine in in high income countries and rich countries so by the end of the year you would imagine in most rich countries 
most adults will have been offered a vaccine. The problem is you still have a new pandemic virus just circulating all over poorer regions of the world and probably within the the paediatric, the childhood population of Ireland as well. And and that can bring up its own problems. So I, I think what all you can hope for, isn't it, is that by the by the end of the year, that the people who are going to end up in hospital in big numbers are vaccinated. And, you know, but I, but I do worry about sort of, um, and, and I've tried to be as optimistic as I can about, about this whole with this whole pandemic, you know, mm. but but I do worry about the potential for new variants to be generated in countries that just have no access to mm. to the vaccine, and for those new variants to you, you know to be to, to be brought into um, into Ireland and, and Australia. So I, I think the end of the year is probably going to look pretty good for all of us. But there's just always that risk. Once you have a pandemic strain of a virus circulating in large numbers in in big areas of of the globe, that's always a cause for concern. So, yeah, look, I, I would be optimistic for the likes of Australia and Ireland. But I, as a public health doctor, definitely won't sort of relax until sort of we have vaccination rolled out around the world. I think we're all going to end up um, having boosters mm. for um, for the foreseeable future, but, you know, as these new variants sort of crop up and we don't know how long the protection from the vaccine lasts. So this is going to be with us, but I, I think in a more livable way mm. by, by the end of the year, is certainly my hope. Niall, I, I appreciate you taking time out because I know you're really busy at the moment. Uh, stay safe out there and thanks once again for being with us on the programme. You're very welcome, PJ. It's a pleasure. Dr. Niall Conroy in Queensland. The Back Garden Festival is back. Cork's 96FM's exclusive online station brings you all the biggest hits from your favourite festival stars. Listen now on our app or go to 96FM.ie. The Back Garden Festival with Harvey Norman and JBL. Your specialist in sound this summer. Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Oh, the trolls are out. The trolls are out. They don't like the facts and they don't like the science and they don't like the success story of Queensland uh, brought to us by Niall Conroy. They don't like the fact that the nonsense they've been spewing about Australia in the last week and a half is easily laid to waste by Niall Conroy. Good man, PJ, says Paul. Always the negative spin and negative guests. Australia has backed itself into a corner and as the rest of the world gets on with life, even with some small number of debts, pressure will grow that they change course. Paul, did you hear that Queensland has the same population as Ireland? Did you hear that Queensland has had seven deaths? That is 4,999 less than we have. And you might not have realised, but that is an Irishman running a major public health unit, a public health consultant in Queensland. In other words, one of the people responsible for those extremely low numbers in Queensland. So, 
Paul will take his expertise over the rest of you any day. But thanks for your message. Yeah, on the vaccine search, oh, they're all over the place this morning. Equality before the law is a fundamental principle of our constitution and of international human rights law. Equality is about ensuring everyone has equal access to opportunities in our society that no one gets left behind. Equality guarantees also in the state has special obligations to prevent private bodies perpetuating discrimination and inequality. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Uh, 1850-715-996. We've talked about these things before. They are a controversial new state home loan. It's the shared equity scheme where the state will provide up to 20% of the purchase price of the property, which might sound like charity, only it's not. It's a loan and you'll eventually have to pay it back, but it's to help people to get into the property market and the state reckons that it will, you know, level things out and all that. Maybe, maybe not. But we read today now that the loan won't need to be repaid unless the house is actually sold. Which seems to me grand. You can avail of state assistance to buy your house and that's grand. And that's fine. Great. Thanks very much. Until you decide that you want to move on and move up, your family might go from one kid to four kids and you want to move up, then you're going to be caught to pay it all back again. Charlie Weston, Terrace Independent, has been following this one with us. Charlie, good morning. Good morning, PJ. It's more or less it, isn't it? No, you've summarised it well. Um, look, at there's a big demand for this. This is essentially for people who can't borrow enough to buy in the current raging market. Uh, we'll have figures out in about an hour from the Central Statistics Office there in Mahan and Cork uh, on the latest um, uh, property prices for May. I, should have, you know, I, I can tell you now what they're going to say. They're going to say the prices are still rising at a ridiculous rate, at a rate back that we haven't seen since the Catholic Tiger. They've been, they're, they're rising at their fastest rate in two years. Um, I haven't seen them yet, but I know probably can be pretty confident that's what it's going to show. So, look, at this shared equity scheme is about trying to help people buy houses. Um, it's to give you up to 20% of the purchase price of the property from the state. And um, the deal is that uh, if you can show that you, you can't borrow enough to buy ordinarily, so it's to make it more affordable, they'll give you 20% of the equity, you know, of the price of the property. You pay nothing on that for five years, no interest. And then the rate goes to 1.75% for the next 15 years, which is very generous. And then goes up slightly then over the next 20 years. But I suppose what's interesting is if you decide you just don't want to pay that back, you just have to pay the interest. You won't have to pay the lump sum back. Uh, now, if you do decide to sell, you have to refund that. But you could just you could just use that as a kind of a let it sit there and just pay interest only. Uh, you know, that's fine, you might say. But, what, you know, what's the issue then? Well, the issue is, is this just going to put more pressure on house prices? It's just going to arm more people mm. to buy houses that are not there to buy. And you have the Department of Housing officials themselves saying that they see this as a, a boost to developers. Um, you know, you have Central Bank has issues with it. The Economic and Social Research Institute has issues with it. Department of Housing officials have warned that it could inflate house prices and incentivise developers, not the purchasers. So mm. it's just, just going to be a developer's charter. Is, it just going to is that because, Charlie, the developer knows, well, I was going to charge, for argument's sake, 300,000 for those new houses, but because the borrowers can now get an extra whatever from the government, I'll put it up to 325. 
exactly that, plus the fact that there'll be more borrowers who who will be able to fund the purchase. So the, the developers will go, oh, should we stick another bid on here? And we'll blame raw materials going up in price, which is a, f- a factor, but we, d- we we don't know to how honest they're being in passing that on. Um, but y- yeah, so you have more developers, who, or sorry, more buyers with more money. Um, so the, the fear is that, that, that they'll just push up uh, property prices even more as, as if they weren't raging out of control as it is. So this is a very risky scheme and that's why Department of, of, of Finance officials, Department of Housing officials, uh, you know, according to FY information, all have problems with this. We have um, opposition parties have a problem with it. So, you know, it, 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 it's a good scheme and people would like a scheme like this, but in the current market where there's so little being built and, and, and there's a reluctance of people with second-hand houses to put them on the market, it just you just wonder if it'll just pour more petrol on the fire. That's the fear, I suppose, PJ. Which is a, a very worrying thing because already we read in our newspaper this morning or yesterday morning where there, there are now rows across the Cabinet table as to where we're going with regard to housing. Housing is just... I mean, it was a big problem last year. It was a big problem pre-pandemic it's a bigger problem than it ever was. It is, and and, and the parties in government know that they're they're going to get roasted at the next election over this issue, uh, one way or the other. And you can throw what money you like at it. They can have all the rows they like in cabinet, but this just takes time. It's just going to take a lot of time to get these houses built. Now, the good news, I suppose, is that <clears throat> we're nearly back to pre-pandemic pre-pandemic levels of of um, building here at the moment, and. Uh, I, I had a report recently from an economist in Davy Stockworkers saying that he reckons rather than 20,000 new homes being built this year, it could be 25,000. Now, a lot of those will be one-offs, you know, they won't be for sale, but at least, you know, there, there's a rush on, builders are building as fast as they can, but we have a shortage of builders. We don't have mm. building companies of scale, and not enough of them. We have Cairn and we have Glenvey, but we have very few and they were wiped out in the last collapse, and and and, and you know, there's not enough of them around, and there aren't enough skilled labourers, skilled skilled craftsmen, and you know block layers and carpenters and plumbers, etc., uh, to, to build at the moment. And we don't have people coming in from Poland and other countries. So I, I'm old enough to remember, Charlie. I'm sure you may be as well. I'm old enough to remember when the council built houses where a young fella did his apprenticeship as a carpenter or a plumber or a bricklayer or whatever and he went to work for the council and he worked as a council builder till the day he retired. Those days are gone. Is it time to think about going back there? We don't, you're right. We don't have that anymore at all. They've completely got out of that now. They rely, we've completely reliant on the private sector and you have this ridiculous scenario where rather than building houses and, and you know, having their own staff um, they they buy homes or, or increasingly they lease homes and 25 year leases from cuckoo funds which get a great deal out of leasing homes to the um, to the local authorities um, there was a report in the Sunday Business Post at the weekend that it cost a billion euros to to, re, to lease some of the houses that are being leased at the moment I mean you, it'll take a while if councils do decide to go back to doing their own building because uh, they largely have got out of that and they're probably contracted out they're probably just you know, that's what they do. You know, near me, there's a big um, a thousand unit development going ahead. But Glenvey is building it. And, and uh, you know, the, the, there's a provision for social housing, affordable housing and private yeah. housing. But mm-hmm. it's it's under contract. The land is owned by the local authority. Mm-hmm. A deal is done with the, uh, with, 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 the, with, the, with the developer. The developer gets to sell half the houses. 
and the others are for social and and, and, and when the council was building the houses with its hundreds if not thousands of, of craftspeople working for it, it didn't necessarily have to make a profit, it just had to pay for itself and pay the wages. Glen Bay or whatever they are, are entitled to a profit. That adds to the cost at the end of the day. It does, it does. You know, they're a private company, they're quoted on the stock market, you know, they have shareholders to satisfy, uh, so, you know, that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to do that, you know. Um, but look, we have other interesting initiatives, I mean, there's interesting cost rental initiatives uh, springing up. Um, one was unveiled last week by the Minister for Housing, Darrell O'Brien, in Babrigan in North County Dublin, uh, where, you know, houses are built and the rent is only based on what it costs to build them. You know, that is like the council model, only the council themselves are not actually building, they're getting a contractor to do that job. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we have a lot of housing associations um, and they're now, like there's a deal done yesterday where uh, TUA uh, are taking over a, a large unit, an apartment unit in Finglas in Dublin. Um, you know, um, but, but, you know, we just... Uh, we just need more, 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 more housing. The very interesting report this morning from the Cork Chamber, saying that there'd be no new apartments built in in, in Cork City since two thousand and eight, uh, and and you know you're not going to have affordable and and have a, have a good urban community unless you have a mix of housing. You need your social, you need your affordable, you need your private houses and suburbs, but you also need apartment blocks in the cities, the argument they're making. They got KPMG to do a, 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 a some some research on this. So, you know, um, they're saying you know, a lack of private sector investment in the likes of Cork is, is, is harming the, the, the city. So, you know, we have so many problems with housing and, and, and it's going to take ages to, to, to get it right, I'm afraid. Okay. Charlie, thank you very much. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor for The Independent. It's not a bad idea this shared equity scheme. But his argument is that at the moment all it's doing is fueling increasing the house prices. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Laura says, sorry now PJ, but that comment from Paul did not sound like someone trolling. He has a different opinion to you, but then again it's PJ's opinion or none. Well actually Laura, no. You see, I've just spent twenty minutes listening to the facts from a man working at the coalface in the middle of it, as a public health doctor, dealing with the problem. So we had 20 minutes of factual engagement with Dr. Niall Conroy. And then Paul's speculation, spoof, is that Australia had backed itself into a corner. And as the rest of the world gets in, gets on with life, the rest of the world is not getting on with life. This pandemic is far, far from over. And if we wanted to do better than we're doing, we should look to Australia. If we want to do better than we're doing, we should look to New Zealand. They've gotten it right over there. 1850-715-996. Few people contacting us with regard to COVID passes. I'll get to those, but just a quick reminder to you, the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards are back for 2021. You can find out all the details this Friday. Right here on Corks 96 FM. Corks 96 FM. Katie, just so I'll have them in a minute, you might bring all of the various vaccine pass comments and calls we've had to the top of the page so that I can get to them in a little while. I also want to go through what we know about travel as of this morning. Uh, it's still changing day by day, maybe hour by hour, but what we know, we'll summarise all of that in a little while. 1850-715-996. We were talking to Asher Woodhouse, the new president of the UCC Students' Union, yesterday about preparation 
for the new semester among the students and the things that they're concerned about and the things that they want to see done and the things that that they will hopefully get used to over the next couple of months. And we discussed, as part of that conversation, briefly, we touched on UNICOV, which is happening at UCC, which is a testing regime for students. Dr. John McSharry is the Deputy Director of Graduate Entry Medicine in UCC and joins me. John, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Nice to talk to you. And to you, sir. Unicov is, it's, it's new and it's ambitious. What is it? So basically, PJ, what Unicov is, is what we want to do is bring out a way of looking for um, asymptomatic people with SARS-CoV-2. So 50% of people who do get SARS-CoV-2 are asymptomatic and in particular the younger age groups. So they're, they're walking around and, they, you know, they, they may be spreading it unintentionally even when they're wearing masks. So what we're going to do is we're going to do it on the, on the universities, four university campuses throughout Ireland, Trinity, um, UCD, Galway, and down here in Cork. And what we're going to do is we get people to sign up. We're going to get them to use an app for symptom checking. And then we're also then going to be given antigen tests to try at home and also give us a saliva tube. And we'll run those saliva tubes using the PCR, which you'll hear about in the media, the, the, the test that's used in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. And we'll be able to then see if there's any SARS-CoV, anyone's asymptomatic for SARS-CoV-2, and then we'll be able to track that. And if someone does happen to be have an antigen, you know, have symptoms, or has an antigen, positive antigen test, what we do is we ask them then to stay where they are at home, and they're either their student residents or at home, and we'll organise for them through student health to get swabbed and get proper advice, mm-hmm. so that they're not coming on the campus when they're sick, and you know, and then we we know then that you know people get a sense of responsibility and feel safer on campus. That's a very practical element to it, but essentially it's it's a research project, John. What are you looking for? What what will the research hope to find? So the research basically what we want to find really is to see if there you know what is the level of asymptomatic carriage. Okay, so you know so it, it, there's a lot of media and there's a lot of you know there's different opinions on you know, how people get COVID and, you know, the older you get, the more worse your symptoms are. So we want to find out what's the asymptomatic levels that are there. And we also want to compare then the antigen tests to the, you know, the conventional PCR, which will be mm. saliva as, or, as a way of doing that. No, it's a reasonably big sample size if you're taking uh, three or four universities into account, isn't it? Yeah, so we're hoping to do... Um, we're hoping to get um, at, at least 2,000 students per university and we're going to have, we've put the study is designed where we're going to do a, a surveillance, which is basically a continuous sampling of some people in the university, staff and students, and then we're going to do a screening where people can do sampling for maybe two weeks. So the surveillance would be for eight weeks and then the screening would be just for two weeks and the screening basically just kind of, you know, random samples at different times while the surveillance is continuous. Okay. And then another component of what we're doing as well is we're looking at wastewater so we're going to look at the, the wastewater from, say, after people use the bathrooms, you know, it's defecate, SARS-CoV-2 is shed in that. And what we're going to do is we're going to sample the wastewater and look for the signal for the virus. Now, what's reassuring in the wastewater is that the virus isn't infective in the wastewater, but it's actually quite stable. So it's a good indicator of the community if you can find uh, the presence of the SARS-CoV-2, that genomic material, you mean you can find it in your community. Yeah. Because we did, we did hear that in the very early days from China, in particular, that they, they thought it was in the drains. Yeah. So I, yeah. So definitely, like I, I don't think it's as infective. There's a colleague of mine in the literally in the office next door to me, Niall O'Leary here, who does a lot of work on wastewater, and he's finding it at different sites around Munster. And then there's another colleague in uh, UCD called Vin Meyer, and Vin has done a lot of work as well, and he's working with the HSE and looking at wastewater. 
and he's found that the virus isn't infective, but the material, the genomic material is yes. still stable. So it's a great indicator to say, you know, you could sample a sewer and say, look, at the, you know, we're at a high level here and then it could be a predictor of a spike to come. I see. So it gives you evidence of what might be in the community if you find it in the drains, even though in the drains it's not particularly infective. Is that right? Exactly, exactly, gotcha. PJ. And so, like, it's so it's you know, it's, so it's not infective, but it's it's a great way of an indicator of community. Oh, and then, okay. You know, so so somebody might be afraid to go to the doctor because they've COVID, or they might say, "Look, I, I'm probably fine. I'll leave a go." While we what we're hoping is if we can give people antigen tests, that the antigen test, then they'll be able to test themselves at home and say, "Look, I am I am positive." And then they contact us and, and right. you know, we'll send it to Mike, Dr. Michael Burns, Student Health here in UCC. And, you know, they have a great pathway to make right. sure everyone stays safe. This, that, it sounds like a fascinating problem. When, when will the, there be a paper to read, as it were, John? So I suppose they, what we're going to do is we, we're kind of, I suppose, slowly rolling out. Now we're conscious that it's summertime and people might be away. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Um... So there's a kind of a website, a unicov.org website um, that's on, online, gives a lot of information. And then I suppose what we're going to do is we'll pull all the data together um, over the next few months and we'll be able to ge- generate a report from that. But we're, what we're going to do is we're going to have a dashboard for every week of sampling just to show if we find any positives or asymptom- you know, any, any, symptom- any symptomatics or asymptomatics and any positive people. So that's going to go live shortly. Um, so, so then people will be able to just log into the website and see, look, there was three cases detected by the Unicov project, um, you know, on the week of, we'll say, start of September, you know. And um, mm-hmm. so, so that's kind of so like, again, it, it's about communicating with people as well and the staff and the students and it, the whole community that it's here. But we can take responsibility using these ancient tests and following into the guides. So we hope, you know, it, it, it's ambitious, but we hope it's going to work. You know what? It's great research and good to see it being done. Uh, Dr. John McSharry, Deputy Director of Graduate Entry Medicine at UCC, is uh, talking to us about Unicov. Very, very ambitious testing project and research into the transmission of COVID. 1850-715-996. Let us get to what we now know about these vaccine passes. As I said, we were supposed to speak to Minister Oshin Smith this morning. It was all 
locked down and tickety-boo, and then it didn't happen. But it may happen uh, at a later date. HSC has said it has no responsibility... I'm reading from the journal.ie, which is quite a good article on this today. HSE clarified earlier that it has no responsibility for the establishment or the operation of the call centre. So the call centre is a private operation, and it'll answer queries regarding the certificate. It's not operational yet, as far as we know. Uh, it'll be set up from the 19th of July, according to an Oireachtas committee. So, in other words, you're getting your certs today, or tomorrow, you might have a question that you might want to call the uh, call centre about, but you can't call them, because it's not active, until next Monday. And that's just one of a number of problems. And the GPs had a hell of a day yesterday because they were inundated. Dr. Mike Thompson is at the East Cork Clinic in the Immokilly Medical Centre. Mike, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? He had a torrid 24 hours. What is the, the, the GP's position on these certs? Yeah, so we were a bit flabbergasted yesterday just to do the timeline quickly. Catherine Martin and another programme said that for COVID recovery certs, PJ, not the DCCs in itself, but certs saying that someone has recovered from COVID within the last 180 days would be available for a medical practitioner. Um, obviously, our organisation, AMO, had n- no news of that. So Oshin Smith was wheeled out and then said that it wouldn't be the case. Unfortunately, at half three yesterday, another statement came from the government saying that a letter from a medical practitioner would do for people to be able to allow it to enter premises. However, Leo Radker on, on, on Drive Time yesterday said that it would be through the normal channels of gov.ie or the helpline and GPs will not have any part in it. Because I, I think, you know, I don't think this is the HSC or the Department of Health. I think this is a government issue, probably under some pressure from lobbying from, you know, the vested interests, I think. And I do feel sympathy for the public who maybe at this stage do feel that after 18 months or so, they should be able to, 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 to go out. There are lots of conflicts about this. There's lots of ambivalence about it, you know, but I think the difficulty is always going to be when you're trying to apply a political solution to a medical problem. Um, I would say GPs have no role in issuing COVID recovery certs. Um, PJ, you know, not to labour it, but we've given a million vaccines, we've given hundreds of thousands of COVID referrals, we've had the cyber attack, we have lots of vaccine questions, we have side effect questions, we're still doing face-to-face and now to be asked to provide a cert for the vintners just so people can go for a few points, it's a bit farcical. So I would respectfully suggest that people don't call their GP about that. Yeah. And it will direct them to gov.ie, you know, where I think that that can be sorted out. Uh, that seemed to be the case last evening uh, in the yeah. midst of all this fog. Uh, the, the voice of the Taoiseach yeah. saying, well, actually, if you just want to go out for a couple of points, effectively... You're, and, you, and you've recovered from COVID, your doctor will sort. That's not the case. Uh, it's not the case. And I would say there, there is legislation being enabled right now. And the reading of it is, it is ambivalent. But I would imagine that the vast majority of GPs do not have the capacity or interest to provide those letters. Okay. So I don't feel, you know, with everything going on and how busy we are, that it's our job to facilitate that. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. It, it, it's busy enough, so we, we've, we've enough to be doing without that. Thank you, Mike. Dr. Mike Thompson from the East Cork Clinic in the Immokilly Medical Centre. Your GP has enough to be doing without writing a letter for you so you can go to the pub, basically. 
Can you blame them? Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The Everyman Outdoors at Elizabeth Fort is a program of live outdoor events presented by the Everyman and taking place at Elizabeth Fort from 23rd of July until 22nd of August. The Everyman Sunday songbook performed That's Amore, the story of Dean Martin, while Evelyn Grant and the Cork Pops is another show for all the family. Access all areas. One of Ireland's finest exponents of hip-hop, Kojak, announces his debut album, Town's Dead, alongside tour shows later this year, one of which takes place in Cork Cypress Avenue. Tickets are now on sale from their website, cypressavenue.ie. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. There is a bad accident near the Jack Lynch Tunnel. Huge tailback in and through the tunnel. There's a four cars involved. We hope that no one is seriously hurt. It's at the, as you exit the tunnel, emergency services at the scene. But if you're stuck in a huge tailback heading towards the tunnel, that is why there has been an accident. A fire brigade Rescue units, emergency services are all there at the moment dealing with what seems to be a collision or a crash involving four cars. And we sincerely hope that nobody is too badly injured uh, there. 1850-715-996. The Wild Atlantic Way arguably starts... They'd started if they could in Belgooli <laughs> and they'd run it all the way up to the tip of the country. But additions to the Wild Atlantic Way, they're worth anything to a local community because when you're on the Wild Atlantic Way, you become part of this massive tourism initiative, international tourism initiative. So when when a new part of West Cork gets on the Wild Atlantic Way, it's cause for celebration. Senator Tim Lombard, good morning. Good morning. Union Hall, I think, which is one of the most gorgeous places in Ireland. I would have thought it was on the, the, the Wild Atlantic Way. No, actually the signage, and it, it was just slightly off it. The old Atlantic Way um, line went just went along by Lep and never took in Union Hall. Now we're after getting deviated. We got um, we've actually changed digital maps. The physical the physical maps have been changed now as well, and the signage will go up hopefully next week. So it's a real boost for Union Hall and for that part of the world. Is Glendore on it? Glendore's on it. Glendore's already on it. So the old line was going up through Glandor onto Lep and then Lep into into Skibreen itself. Now you go through Lep and you go down left into Union Hall mm. and take over the bridge. Yeah. Over. yeah, so it's a beautiful, beautiful kind of a addition to what really has been a real good initiative. Yeah. Like the Wild Atlantic Way has, what it's actually done is marked what we have, a beautiful yeah. part of the world, beautiful scenery. Starts in Kinsale and goes all the way up to, all up to Donegal. So it's a real kind of gym of a project and yeah. it's worked really well. When it was first mooted a few years ago, we all looked at it and said, oh yeah, a few extra signs and, and that. But no, it's an awful lot more than that because it's an international product. Yes, yes, it 
really has become and like the amount of communities that now want access to it and want links off it and it's like this took a bit of work like in 2017 we had um, meeting with the minister at the time um, blown in Union Hall it literally took from 2017 to last week to get this over the line and you know an awful consultation with the local authority with local businesses but to try to get an addition was the biggest thing and we've actually got this addition in Union Hall which is really really important uh, but but you're right when you go down there like Union Hall is the most spectacular village you could possibly have it mm. really is a gym and it was amazing that it wasn't on it and I'm delighted to know it is on it thanks to God Good to see good to see Tim something else I think that uh, you've been remarking on in the last few days I read a piece in The Independent I've watched both of those new documentaries on the Sophie Toscan de Plantier case and have been following the West Cork podcast and like everybody else I'm fascinated with that case since the day it happened but there seems to be a stream of people down to Tourmore and to Skull to look at if you want the scene and people down there are not too happy about it I've watched, uh, well, I've watched the Netflix one now, I haven't watched the Sky one yet. We've all listened to podcasts. Look, it's 24 years of, you know, tragedy in many, many ways. We've listened to, you know, different versions of, of what happened. And there's, you know, it's caught people's imagination. But unfortunately, and particularly for the last three or four weeks, we've had this kind of murder tourism kind of issue where people are going down to certain parts of Skull, um, looking at bridges, looking at sites where maybe Sophie was in her last few hours, and then actually going all the way to the Celtic Cross itself outside where the body was found. And it really is bad taste. Like like murder, we've so much to offer in West Cork, as we just yeah. spoke about, oil, antiquity, tourism, you know, beautiful scenery. Like to go down to Skull and to be traipsed around one wanting to know was this the scene where you know poor Sophie died is a terrible terrible kind of indictment on society hang on I I take the point and I'd I'd hate to be a a local down there asking questions as to know where was she but it's not a new thing wherever there are unsolved murders and crimes around the world this will happen I mean surely you know of the Ripper Trail in London for example but this is probably 24 years fresh and as a a grieving son, a grieving family, Agreed. probably okay. a, and a grieving you know, community in so many ways. And it still is technically unsolved. Well, it is unsolved. There's been nobody actually found for the actual murder itself. And because of that, I think we just have to take you know, due respect of the area and the people and the family. Because like when I heard this crack about taking selfies at the crowd... Oh, well, yeah, well, that's, 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 that, that's just the modern world. That's, that's stupid. That is yeah. stupid. Yeah. And I just thought it was a, it was a little bit too too gone too far, you know. And like we've all read the read the you know, listened to the podcast and read everything that could be read about it. But I just think you know people just have to be a little bit more respectful about, in particularly the Celtic Cross, in particularly about you know going yeah. up that road. I've never been up there now, but I've told by locals you you have to get lost to find the actual spot. And um, you know it's damned with visitors up and down there, you know, and that's a really unusual environment. And I just think yeah. it was a step too far, in particularly now in the last few weeks. Yeah. And like this, like the Netflix one, from what I've been told in the last few days, 190 countries yeah. have been, it's been seen. Yeah, it's been and translated and dubbed into God knows how many languages. It's been seen around the world. That's, net, that's the nature of Netflix. Yeah, yeah. And it's the business that they run. Like, so, you know, you can get Netflix now on every smart TV in the world. But it's just, I suppose, 
there's been a real influx of people, a real, real interest in this. And I think, you know, there's a little bit of respect required too because this isn't, this is mm. technically an unsolved murder and it's still only 24 years since it happened. And people mm. have often compared it to, you know, the Ripper issue over in London and everything else. But like that was in a different millennium. That was in a different century. True, right? true. But okay, people go to, and I remember it very well because I was actually on holidays in Yorkshire at the time. The Yorkshire Ripper, I remember, I remember I was in holidays in, in Harrogate, staying with my aunt and uncle at the time, uh, which is only about 15 miles from Leeds, and there was a murder at the time. And I remember people going to, I was only a kid, people going to see it, to see the sights. It's what people do, it even, they even did it then, you know. Yeah, I know, it's just, I just find it, you know, it just wouldn't be my thing at all. Oh, yeah. And I, I just would say, no, like, yeah. if I took Catherine and the four kids on that tour, I'd say I'd be shot. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just think, and look, back to Eugen Hall, what we do have is a really fantastic yes. offering. Keep it positive. It really yeah. does. And, like, I think that's what it's all about. Well, go and have a feed of fish off the, off, off the pier in Union Hall. And, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Last question for you, Tim, and this, you may not be able to answer this one for Kate, who's been on. When you're standing at Roach's Point, that body of water in front of you, what sea is that? Oh, God. It's like a trick question. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I would have said Celtic. I, I would have said know. Celtic, but maybe a fisherman is listening and they'll let us know. But thanks anyway, Tim, for trying that one. I wasn't trying to trick you. It was a genuine question because I would have said, thanks, Tim Lombard, Senator Tim Lombard, I would have said possibly Celtic Sea because they all head out there to go fishing and down there. It seems too far this way to be the Irish Sea and too far the other way to be the Atlantic. So it looks like it could be the Celtic Sea, I think. Anyone know for sure? Before I make a complete goal of myself. 1850-715-996. Right, let's go through those COVID pass messages that we've had. People started to get them trickle, trickle, trickle through email yesterday. And then there was a flood of them last evening. And even into the nighttime, people were saying, I got me pass. The letters or the postal versions were supposed to be dropping today. Carlos says, I was supposed to get mine by email. I was checking my phone all morning. Because the gang at work are all saying they're getting theirs. Then the wife phones and says, ah, your cert came in the post. There seems to be no we- no method to it. There is a method. I'll get to it in a sec. Hi, PJ. Says Janet, I got mine by post. I was vaccinated at the CUH. By WhatsApp, got mine last evening. Got it for my doctor's surgery. They had my email address. Morning, PJ. Just got COVID cert in the post. How will my husband get his as he got his injection from his GP? Says Liz. I'll try and answer that in a sec. Hi, uh, Pedro. Got my cert last evening from my doctor's surgery. Yes. Uh, callers, two callers say they got searched by the mail. One said it was dated Saturday 10th. So obviously they've been working over the weekend, as well they should be. Middle of a pandemic. Craig wants to know is that helpline operating yet? Well, according to the journal's article this morning, it may not open or may not be operating until next Monday. But with regard to the issuing of the certs, right, if you were tested positive, don't worry, people who've had COVID in the last six months will be able to contact a call centre, which will then issue a recovery certificate. That's if you haven't been vaccinated. People who were vaccinated via the HSE portal. So you went on the web, onto HSE, booked yourself in, got the text, etc., etc., etc. If you were vaccinated that way, if you went online, 
put in your name, put in your age, etc., etc. If you did that, then you get your cert via the email. If you were vaccinated by your GP or in a pharmacy, then you'll get it by post. That would appear to be where we are. Uh, about 160,000 were put in the post yesterday, and there's about 2 million emails to go out between this week and next week. And the email comes with a do not reply note on it. And they're asking, would you please not reply? Fox 96 FM. Thank you, Eugene. As always, Eugene uh, knows these things. It is the Celtic Sea. When you stand there at Roaches Point and you look out at that wonderful body of water, it is the Celtic Sea. Caller says, I think you should highlight that you should not laminate the COVID pass. It's in the small print, but show people don't read everything. Thank you for that. I wasn't aware of that because I was going to... That was my own intention, was to laminate my own one. But it appears it'll stop the machine from reading it. You can scan it into your phone and take a copy on your phone, but you're not supposed to laminate it. That is interesting. So the pass that you print and fold and put, don't laminate it. Thank you for that, caller. Thank you very much for Just an idea on how this thing is getting very divisive as well. Before I go, I'll go to Elaine there in just a second. But I was listening to um, our old pal, John Campbell, his latest video. He puts up a video pretty much every day. And remember Niall Conroy referred there earlier in the morning to what's happening across the water. Now, he'd be very nervous about what's happening in the UK, where from Monday, it's pretty much a free-for-all from next Monday. That's Boris's plan to just let it go, let it rip and take our chances with it and try to do our best and exercise our personal responsibility and all of that. And if you listen to any bit of British politics, it's very, very divisive. But John's latest video was up yesterday and he was talking about how divisive it has gotten. And I just had to had to bring you this because this is just a Campbell classic. Uh, we know this man how, how straight he talks. He doesn't put a tooth in it and he's a man of no agenda which is even better. So John Campbell's attitude to how divisive it's getting in the UK right now. I've never known since the start of this pandemic such polarisation in views. Very very strong views being expressed on both sides and it's becoming a little bit political as well which is, which is unfortunate. Personally I've received threats that if I don't say something on this particular side, there'll be consequences for me. Or if I don't say something on that particular side, there'll be consequences for me. Uh, that, that's somewhat unusual. Um, it doesn't bother me too much. I was a registered psychiatric nurse a few weeks after my 21st birthday. I'm used to being threatened in difficult environments. But it just shows the, it just shows the strength of feeling that is around about this. You gotta love him, don't you? I was a registered psychiatric nurse and I was 21 years of age. I know what all this is about. Yeah, I know. Thanks, John, <laughs> for keeping us up to date day by day. 1850-715-996. Now, Elaine, delighted to see this. Tell me a bit, tell me a little bit about Barbara Elaine. Elaine, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? This is, you've decided to specialise down there in Middleton in children with sensory or additional needs. Where did that idea come from? I just, I've been working in barbers over the past 20 years and I've noticed that there is a need for it, busy salons, both for the children and the parents. 
it's a frightening environment when they're coming into a busy place with hairdryers blasting and razors going. Mm. So there's a need for a quiet environment. Now, every child is different in that regard. So where do you start when somebody comes in? I am sitting in a corner with a few toys and I will wait for the child to, to approach me. And maybe feel their hair, touch their ears, turn a razor on and off. Just a few different things to see what reactions I get, what I can use, what I can't use. And what's the, what was the inspiration for it? It was just you saw there was a need? Big time, yeah. And I felt for the parents. They were coming in and a lot of parents could be going out in a ball of sweat or apologising that their child is screaming and there is absolutely no need for any apologies. Because mm. kids on the spectrum um, can sometimes take a very odd reaction to being touched or to having their hair touched. It is. Um, you're getting in their person's face and it's a complete stranger in their person's yeah. face with a sharp object. Yes, yes. It is quite daunting. i tell you a funny story about my own boy when we started bringing him for his haircut years ago. Uh, he, he, James, will say things um, just off, off the top of his head. And he said to the barb or to the hairdresser who was a friend of mine, he said, don't cut my ears off. And she burst out laughing. And it became a thing. Every hair salon ever brought him to, he said, don't cut my ears off. <laughs> <laughs> He's 24 now and he still goes, don't cut my ears off. <laughs> uh, brilliant, brilliant. But, you know, that, to, to know that he was safe was what that meant to him. Yes, you know? of course. You must be inundated with people coming to... Yeah, the past couple of days now um, have been a little bit crazy. Yeah. And apologise to people that I'm refusing mm. I just don't have too many hands yeah. yeah, an old friend of ours here, Julie from Twins and Me was in with you. She was, Julie's fantastic yeah. and her little lad doesn't like his ears being touched or anything at all No, he wasn't a fan of the haircut but so what did they're you do? not a fan the first time you just have to get a child used to a place, get a child used to the person it's, it's about routine and getting to know and trust someone yeah. How do you deal with the sound problems, the lights? Kids can't take the, the sensory the overload light, of lights. The lighting in, in here isn't too bad. Sound, I will have the radio turned off. I right. will have to turn the switches off on some of the hairdryers to show the children that the hairdryer is broken. It's not going to come on. Yes. Razor, if that comes on in the morning, it's, if that comes on in the corner, it can frighten the life out of them. Oh, yes, 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 of course. And razors are not used in, in most haircuts. Oh. You just won't use it. No buzz? No, not for the first few visits anyway. If it's not something that they want, I won't use it. And just flick it on. I'll have the razor inside my apron pocket. Right. And just turn it on and off every now and again. And just to get them used to the noise, I won't use it first thing. Yeah. Who's more emotional, the kids or the parents? I think parents myself. It's very tough for them. Yeah. No, I mean afterwards when they're delighted. like. Well, when they're delighted, parents. And I get a bit emotional too, of course. So, advertising is something you don't need right now because you're inundated, but the, <laughs> the the idea is huge. It is, it is. And well needed. Yeah. Big time needed. I have a lot of kids travelling and travelling a good few miles for a haircut, a five-year-old. Wow. It's fantastic to see. There should be, should be more places. Okay. Well, you know what? You might be on to something. Uh-huh. You might be onto a brand. Who who knows? You know, you yeah. might you might be as big as Peter Mark one day. Maybe. You'd never know.
<laughs> it's a great idea. No, delighted you're doing it, uh, Elaine. Some, a lot of places will try and do their absolute best and, and work as hard as they can. But now you're specialising and that's something really good. And, and the best of luck with it uh, for the future. That's Elaine Carl Foley from Barber Lane in Middleton, specialising in kids with additional needs and sensory problems and all that. It's great. Fabulous. Look her up. You'll find her on, on social. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. That is certainly something we have learned today. If you want, if you get your vaccine pass either by email or by post and the email encourages you to print it and fold it and keep it safe and all of that do not laminate it because apparently it affects the reading of the pass or can affect the reading of the pass so there is in the T's and C's uh, an advisory not to laminate the thing which strikes me as if you've already laminated what do you do I suspect that you can go back into the email and print it again but don't laminate it is the message now I know that all over the place people are laminating the little card they got in the vaccine centre now it might be of no use to you but a lot of people are laminating them and keeping them in a bag or a wallet or a purse just in case they, they have to produce them for any given reason but do not laminate the vaccine pass that you get by post or by email. Best thing to do, of course, is download it and store it in the wallet on your phone. The If you have an Apple wallet, and I'm assuming that Android have something similar. Store it on your phone is probably the best way. 1850-715-996. Very exciting times for Cove Ramblers. FC, of course, we're proud partners here at 96FM with Cove Ramblers, but they have another set of partners for the summer of all clubs, the great Villa Real, uh, Ian Ryan uh, is with their uh, summer camp. Ian, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. Partnered, partnered with Villa Real. How the heck did that happen? Yeah, it's very exciting, I suppose, uh, PJ. It's something that the club and the current board have been working on over the last three or four months behind the scenes. Uh, I suppose I suppose it's a reflection and all the good work that's been done over the last four or five years, you know, from the previous boards to the current board, you know, to get the club where we are today. Uh, and I suppose it's just the next step. To, it's kind of like a natural progression for us, you know, to, to try something different. Uh, you know, Cove has uh, a lot of kids. Um, you know, there's over 600 kids playing soccer in the area of Cove and stuff like that. And uh, we wanted to do something different with the camp this year. So, you know, we entered into talks with uh, Villarreal about three to four months ago uh, to uh, sign up to, to uh, a partnership. And uh, I suppose this is just the first step in it. Who, who made the first approach or, or who thought of, of that? It, it was actually James, our, uh, our, our club PRO, uh, James uh, we were looking for a club that, you know, kind of shared the same values that we had. Uh, we wanted a connection as well, you know, uh, I suppose a business and geographical connection. So we uh, we just reached out to a, a number of clubs. Uh, but uh, on this occasion, it was James. I have to hand it to him. Uh, he done well. He did well. They don't come much bigger than Villarreal. So he did very, no. very well. So the tie-in will involve, they'll actually send coaches over. 
Yeah, they will. So uh, this is just the first step of the partnership. So um, on the 16th to the 20th of June, they're going to send two of their uh, UEFA A licensed academy uh, coaches, Victor and uh, Nano. Uh, they're going to send them over for a week uh, and they're going to uh, work uh, in conjunction with our own coaches um, from um, the 17s and 19s, our 15s and our 14s, uh, SSE or Tristity uh, League teams. They're going to work with, uh, with those coaches uh, and to implement the, and show them the methodology that the Villarreal uh, academies use. Um, so it's exciting uh, and it's a great opportunity for the young people in the Cove and the Great Cork area you know, to, to see what it's all about. Now, now some great players have... Uh have, have laced their boots at, at Cove Rambers. I think of a certain Mr. Keane uh, yeah. um, among others. Like, what happens if the lads from Villarreal spot some youngster and say, he's got it? Yeah, so as part of the, so there is an opportunity. So what, what's going to happen during the camp is that the, the Villarreal are going to select two players from the camp and they're going to bring them over to uh, Villarreal for a week. And they're going to uh, bring them into their own academy. They're going to allow them to train with their academy. They're going to do player development with them. They're going to do uh, analysis with them. They're going to do shape and movement with them. So they're going to actually uh, bring two young fellas over uh, for a week. They're going to get to go to a game, as far as I know. And they're going to go. They're going to be based in the training ground for for a full week. So it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. You know, for for two young fellas to go over and experience what it could be like for you know to be a professional footballer or in you know at, at the UA, at the UEFA uh, League Champions at the moment. I know, I know. Is registration are you are you registered up the wazoo or have you still got spaces? We still have spaces. I tell you, PJ, our morning our morning slots are nearly gone. Uh, there's been a fantastic uptake since we launched last Friday. Uh, we have some spaces left in the afternoon, but they are really going very fast. I think there's great excitement around it. I suppose it's something that hasn't been done that I'm aware of in the in, in the Cork area. You know, teaming up with a, a big you know European giant like Villarreal. Okay. Um, so there is great excitement around it. Okay, okay. It's 125 quid to register, but there's a training kit and and all of that. Yeah, you involved. get a full training kit as well. And you know, it is a very structured. It, it it is a very structured uh, camp. Um, so you know, I, I think you know, you know, it's five days, um, and you know, I, I genuinely do think that the players will see great benefit. Oh, that's colossal, colossal value and great opportunity yeah. for a kid who's really interested. Coveramblersshop.com is the web. Oh, that's 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 it. Or you can check out our Facebook or our social media channels as well, you know, for more right. information. And there's a video circulating as well on social media, and my contact details are on it. If anybody wants to give me a shout and uh, yeah. get some more information. A friendly, maybe at some stage in the future as well. You never, you never know. It's something that you know we we would love. You know, as you know, PJ, we're we're a hundred years next year. You know, yeah. So That's why I was thinking you know. of that. Yeah. I was thinking of that. <laughs> anything is possible you know so you know fingers crossed yeah, Roy to manage a Cove Ramblers select side and you know yeah that's it yeah <laughs> you could yeah. yeah I think you, you, you've you probably heard you know I think he did before you know against Manchester United you know, right. yeah. a number yeah. of years ago it'd be great it could be a great occasion listen good luck with it it's fabulous for the, for the youngsters and fabulous for the club Ian Ryan from Cove Ramblers their summer camp with Via Real, like they don't get a whole lot bigger. A few places left, not a lot. A few. Uh, Coveramblersshop dot com, or you'll find them on the club's 
Facebook page. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. The Miz and Looper is an annual charity cycle raising funds for West Cork Down Syndrome Support Group and takes place this year on Saturday the 24th of July. There are two routes available including an 80 kilometre and a 130 kilometre route. Registration on the day begins at 7.30am at Drimmer League GAA grounds for both routes. To find out more information on the event go to mizzenlooper.com. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email Cork's Diary at 96fm.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96fm. Another tip coming in, I see it on Twitter. Uh, in your, if you use Gmail uh, as your default email, loads of people do these days, of course. If you use Gmail, a lot of vaccine passports are getting, for some reason, are getting hiked up by Gmail into the promotions folder. So if you use Gmail and you have all of your inbox separated out into promotions and whatever, blah, blah, blah. If you haven't got, check promotions because it might well have dropped in there for some reason. Gmail seems to be hoovering the vaccine passes into the promotions folder. 1850-715-996. Kathleen wanted to talk to me about Pat Falvey. Pat was on the programme with me last week talking about the Forever Young Club. Uh, you remember, Kathleen? Oh, she's gone there. she got cold feet. She can, she, uh, she's got a bit... Check her there, Fergal, see if we get her back. Let's go through some... More. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Now, was Ireland right after all? And we're arguing about this for the last couple of weeks that we've held back. And do you remember all the argument about, oh, Ireland is an outlier, everyone else is running ahead of us and laughing at us. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, Dutch now has the highest numbers in Europe. Holland has the highest numbers in Europe. Very fast. They open too fast, too soon. Much of it, the late teens to mid-thirties. And as a result of clubbing and events where large crowds were together at close quarters. Interestingly, all of these events had a prerequisite that everyone had to have a test before attending uh, 48 hours out from the event started, it turned out that people became part of, pardon, part of super spreader events even after those tests. The conclusion they've now reached is that they should have had the tests closer to the event time. I read an article about that caller and you're dead right. They were saying you can have a test within 72 hours or 48 hours, but sure you could pick up COVID in the 47th hour. So you could have your test after... 48 hours before, then you could pick up COVID on the way through you know, whatever. So, yeah, they're going to look at it, re- re- reviewing that now. And to go to an event like a gig or a nightclub that you may need to take an antigen or whatever kind of a test that day or a few hours before. But definitely, they are in trouble in the Netherlands. The numbers are gone through the roof altogether because of the Delta variant. And again, it begs the question. It definitely begs the question, were we right all along? Only time will tell there. I've been saying to people, anyone who listened to me, isn't it better to be slow and right than rush it and be in the mess they're in in Holland now? I, I, I just can't see why it's better to rush. It's not a contest. 1850-715-996. Now, Kathleen... A big fan of Pat Falvey. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. He was on with me last week. Right. Yeah. How did you meet him? 
I I haven't met Pat Falvey. Right. It's just I've got a bit of publicity out of an unplanned trip to Crogpatrick. Tell me about uh, that, so. Um, I was on holiday in Mayo and we were staying in Mulvaney and we decided to do all the local beauty spots like uh, uh, Clare Island. We went to the Iron Islands and we went to Knock and we went to the we were hoping to go to the Black Sod and then we visited many more places and at the last hour I decided you know what I'll have a look at Court Patrick I'll never get a chance to see it again so I'll have a look Back when we weren't prepared so we went and uh, in my good clothes so <laughs> I uh, walked 20 yards and then I walked a bit more and then I walked 20 minutes and Vicky was with me my daughter mm. and uh, I said look I'm turning back it's too hard. I'm not doing it. We're not prepared. She said, handing me a walking stick given to me by a lady in Valley Cotton. You're on your way now. So get going and we're heading for Hang on. The You're camp. there in the good rig out. Yes. Good <laughs> pants. Red jump. Everything. Good runners. Everything. <laughs> I, was, I was going to ask, were you in heels? At the <laughs> no. Thank God I wasn't because I'd have to go in the bare feet. No way. <laughs> so there you are. We'll, so go for like, a, we'll start anyway. We'll see where we go. You walk up a bit and a bit more and a bit more. Say, this is getting yes. this is getting hard. And she gives you here, belt yes, away. You're nearly there now. And you went all the way to the top. I went all the way to the top, and it took me three hours. Right. <laughs> but only for all the inspiration I got from the younger people. Our families were walking. Young children. Yeah. Lovely teenagers. I've never been. I've never been up, uh, Patrick, Kathleen. So, like, is uh, it a path all the way up, or do you have no, to actually start climbing? You have to start climbing. It is a climb. It's not a walk. That's the way I would describe it. Right. So, anyway, the last twenty minutes, I was getting exhausted, and the daughter was sort of pulling me along by the jumper. Not me, not realizing that actually people were watching me because they'd already passed me, or I'd passed them out at one time, and then I was beginning to slow. Right. It was because I was the oldest one on the on the walk. Yes. So lots of nice little children were saying, go on now, you inspired us, keep going now. And uh, I met one fellow from Leash and his daughter who were lovely. They gave me a bottle of orange and they were just coming down. So they said, you're nearly there now. But at this stage then I was down. Wait, 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 let's get back to the, the good clothes. Right? The good clothes, yeah. And you weren't exactly packed for the journey? There's no backpack? No, no not at all, we had nothing. Getting a no. sandwich and a bottle of water? No. Not the thing. Woman, are you mad? I was. Definitely <laughs> crazy. I love this. Keep going anyway. You got to the top. We got to the top. After 20 minutes on my hands, knees, legs, toes, anything that worked. Nails, hands, yeah. uh, and uh, a few, uh, definitely bruises. So yeah. I got to the top sweating. And I, I met, uh, they came over to me and they said, oh, you made it. I said, yeah, I did. But I said, I'm going to throw myself into the seat. Hopefully the church will be opened, only to find the church was locked. So I threw myself down on a, some sort of a, a cement thing and stayed there. And then those people started coming over to me, asking me what age I was and why was I doing it and was I all right. They brought me water and apples and orange juice. And I said, I must look dreadful altogether. <laughs> and I was covered. My trousers was well ripped by now. And <laughs> I just didn't dare look at my shoes. So, uh, oh, Maura and Jim and Fiona, they were all walkers, were ahead of me and they came over and they stayed with me. And then they, we had a great chat and then I found out that they were linked up for 96 FM and 103. And that's how this 
publicity stunt got out. Because it's, I, I, I think the, 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 the maddest bit of it all, and sorry, I thought you'd actually met Pat, the, 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 the maddest bit, bit of it all was that you'd just heard him on a podcast or whatever. and yes, I be- heard him on a podcast. You arrived at the bottom of the mountain. Yes. No bag, no ham sandwich, no water, no... No, nothing at all. No preparation, nothing. Only I okay. just do a walk every day for uh, health reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh... Do, do, do you mind... Awfully, if I ask what age you are. Uh, I'm seven. I'm early 70s. You're a and legend, I'm, woman. And I'm staying that way. <laughs> You're an absolute legend. And I've got a lovely something from that day out. Lovely. It was so hot that day. Right. I oh. couldn't take off my jumper, so I couldn't. I'd be up for <laughs> indecency. Right, couldn't. right. Well, 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 hold on there a second. Hold on there a second, because you've never met Pat Pat. Pat no, Fanfie. I've never met Pat. Never met him. But you'd be a big admirer of him, and you've heard him doing interviews and, and all of that. Hold on there one second for me. Pat! Yeah, how are you today? i just <laughs> listening there. That woman, like, Kathleen is absolutely an inspiration. I was following her story, and at 70-odd, like, she's an inspiration to all us younger people. I'm in my 60s. To get up, get out, and get fit. So, look, Kathleen, well done. And um, you know, we have a group of for every young, a for every young club, and it's for fifty to ninety year olds. And you fit right in there with the attitude you have. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> but that was not, that was not on the menu for me. Walking or climbing was never on the menu. But it just happened while I was on holiday. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. And, and I love the bit, Patrick. She just she was up a bit, a bit up. No, no bag, no sandwich, no water, no nothing. Ari, you're halfway there now, says her daughter, and off with you. Yeah, you know, know she told me, and that was it. One pat. And the walking stick kept sticking in people's feet and everything. But everybody, the youngsters were fantastic. They were just came over to me in case I'd fall. I did fall several times. And I have a bruise over my eye. I still have that. I'm all black and blue. But coming down then was another nightmare, another story. Well, you were saying something there, Pat. Yeah, do you know, it, like it's 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 amazing, like that, when people set it in their mind to do something. And I'm sure that that was her Mount Everest at that stage. Like, but the question is, when you do a Mount Everest, like Crow Patrick, I'd always have a question, Kathleen, and I'd always. What's next for you? Are you going to try something else? No, I'm not going to try anything else. I'm going to walk every day up and down to the Strand and I'm going to try and encourage fitness for myself because I was never really into sports or anything. This was just a crazy idea that happened. But isn't it great to say that, like, you know, that you do realize the aspect of getting up and getting out and getting fit and, you know, just walking to the beach, just actually doing something uh, and, and keeping that body actually moving is, like, is amazing. So, look, well done and keep it up. And, like, you are an inspiration to others, so keep telling the story about you, uh, what you've done. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's Thank brilliant. you very much. Listen, and, and briefly before you go, Kathleen, you said coming down was harder than going up, was it, in a way? Oh, coming down was worse. Uh, I, coming down was worse. Two people held me by the arms and they... Uh, they assisted me down, but now I walked it in a sort of a fashion. But when I got to the end of the mountain, my legs were just jelly. They were uh, just jelly. Uh, well, now, I, I, would, 
sorry, people. Go on, go on, go on. Uh, people did help me. I met four lovely young men and their dad, and what they said was amusing. They gave me water and threw holy water on me, and then they said, here comes one of the old Starla Toyotas. She's still on the run. Good for so, you. Yeah, they did, and I would like to thank Maura and Fiona and Jim. I would like to say hello to my four children, um, James, Killian, Vicky, and Rafaela. And also to the staff in the trial door who gave me a nice cup of tea when I came back from the walk, or the, the climb, we'll call it. Well, do you know what you've done now? Not only have you achieved that, you've impressed Pat Falvey, and you've put a smile on listeners' faces. And for that, thank you so much for being with us today. Kathleen from Bellicotton, Pat Falvey, thank you very much for uh, taking our call there. We just said maybe he'd like to talk to her, and he was only too delighted to talk to her. He'd heard all about her. That's just... A lovely, sweet story. Thank you so much, Kathleen and Pat. 1850-715-996. Mind you, starting out to go p- cook Patrick without so much as a bottle of water. Not to be recommended, but hey, to hell with it. She did it anyway. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Make sure you have me on for your Wednesday afternoon soundtrack. All your favourite tunes, all the big names and all things Lee Side. See you after the opinion line here on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just on the Netherlands, Kevin reminds us on Twitter, thanks Kev, that the uh, Dutch uh, Prime Minister has had to apologise now publicly for opening too soon. And I'm just seeing another set of stats coming in from the Netherlands as well that they may have even underestimated it. They reported 9,000 on Sunday, but there seems to have been a delay in the reporting of results of testing that can happen we know that's happened here so they now have a total for sunday or for the weekend of 23 and a half thousand cases it is colossal over there because they opened up very fast without having taped all their boxes by the looks of it and now the prime minister up there or over there has had to apologize for opening too fast. 1850-715-996. We've, we've talked about this incredible piece of equipment before. It's called an exoskeleton. Effectively, it's a bionic suit. And there's one of them down at Elite Fitness in the Marina Commercial Park, the only one of its kind in the country. And I think it needs to be replaced. Colin O'Shocknessy, good morning. Good morning. Does it need to be replaced? Is it coming to the end of its life? Unfortunately, it is, yeah. We reckon actually COVID has probably saved us a small bit because it hasn't got as much use. So there's probably, it should have been up this year, but we reckon hopefully there's a year left in its life, you know. Tell me about it. What does it do? It allows people with spinal injuries, uh, people with strokes, MS people to actually walk. So the the suit wraps around their body and helps them get the benefits of walking. Um, So it does amazing things for their body and obviously for their mind as well. So is it motorized, it is? Yeah, it, it's pretty much wraps around them and has special um, batteries that powers the suit and it walks like something very similar to how you would imagine a robot walking, like some even Terminator kind of, that kind of feeling where it just wraps around them and allows them to walk and gives them the benefits of walking. And, and what would those benefits be? 
for a person who's in a wheelchair who sits down every day, uh, you can imagine your body gets squashed, so your bowel, your kidneys, all your internal organs are all being kind of squashed because you're sitting down non-stop. The ability to walk allows your body to stretch out properly, and you reduce infections, your bones get stronger, and then the normal benefits of, of fitness, your, your heart and lungs get stronger as well. Right. And that, you reduce infections. How will that work? Normally, a person in a wheelchair tends to get a urinary tract infection, um, usually one a month. That's kind of the odds they get them. And we find the people who walk regularly would now get one a year, which is a huge difference. You know? Wow. Wow. And how far would someone walk or for how long for? Average person would walk about um, between three and 500 steps. So they'll be walking for about maybe 15 minutes in total, you know? I see, I see. It, it, it would be the equivalent of you going off and running five or ten miles. Like oh, would it really? Oh, it's a lot of effort, yeah. Right, so massive exercise values as well. Huge. Yeah. What's the cost of these things? 150,000, unfortunately. <sighs> wow. Well, but then again, how long do you get for, for, from it? We we got we our our current one is five years old, and like I said, COVID has saved us a small because not everyone was able to walk during some of the lockdowns and stuff. Um, so we're kind of six years. We're hoping to get out of this guy. Very good, very good. And you've where do you source them? Like I, I'm sure you could hardly walk into walk into um I don't know Tesco and buy one like you, you, no, know? you can't yeah we, this one is made in California in, right. in America so that's where we got our ones right. did the idea come originally from the the military did it originally yeah they they, they were they use them um for the army for for carrying large loads and for soldiers can run in them and run you know at, at five miles an hour carrying a hundred kg and stuff and they use them for they now use them for building ships as well in, in parts of America as well right right. So you're running a fundraiser, a unique one. Tell me. Yeah, we're going to we're going to get as many people as we can to do as many squats as we can for 24 hours this weekend. And um, we have twofold reasons for this. One, obviously, we're trying to raise funds for our exoskeleton, but also we find that every time we do a fundraiser, that more people find out about us. Yeah. Um, and therefore, we get to help more people. There's a lot of people out there with spinal injuries, in wheelchairs, with stroke survivors who don't know to just help that, that we can help them get stronger. Yeah. We find that every time we do a fundraiser, someone knows it and someone goes, oh, I know somebody who could do it, our services. So we we really found that we've managed to reach more people every time we fundraise. So that's, okay. that's one of the two reasons. Obviously, we need the money for the suit, but we find that just getting our, our name out there really helps us to help more people. And are there any grants or support available for this? No, we've fundraised. We, we bought the first one completely by ourselves. Fundraising, we're, we're we're private, so we don't we don't fall into the health service whatsoever. We just we we work very hard on helping people, and and we we set up the charity as well to allow us that if, if someone couldn't afford our services, that we'd pay for it out of the charity as well. So it doesn't matter whether you can afford to be helped by us or not. We're still going to help you. Yeah, yeah. So where can people get to sign up for this fundraiser? Yeah, on our, on our Facebook page under Helpful Steps, all the information is there that people can sign up or make a donation if they feel like it, which would be much appreciated. Okay. I think we spoke before about a special gym as well you have down there for elderly clients. Yes, we do indeed. We have a special room designed um, for elderly people to get stronger in a safe uh, manner with no impact. And we're finding great success with that as well. We, we've given older people new leases of life. We've got seven-year-olds going back on the golf course. We've people able to do shopping by themselves and all these kind of major things that make a big difference to people's mental health as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we've just, on a broader note, I suppose we've been told time and time again and we've 
learned of the benefits of physical exercise of any kind at all over the, the course of the of the pandemic? Oh, very important. We, we had a, a wheelchair lady here who was in the Mercy Hospital last April when COVID was worse. She was one of 20 people in a ward. Uh, they were all on oxygen and she was the only one not to go on the ventilator and the doctor said it was because she was down here and she was fit and strong that she recovered and she's fully recovered now and back training. But she was the only one in the ward not on a ventilator because of the fact that she worked very hard down here. Her cardiovascular so, strength was good. Yeah, made a massive difference to her, yeah. Wow, okay. Listen, good luck with the fundraiser and with everything you do down there. It's a most unique gym and a set of facilities down there. Elite Fitness. Uh, thanks, Colin. 1850-715-996. And oh, then it's down the uh, Marina Commercial Park. Where am I going? What's over there? Yeah, those numbers in Holland are enormous. They're, they're, they're scary, actually. Speaking of numbers, I, I get this sent to me every so often. And then I get accused of bias if I don't read it out. So, I'm just putting this out there. 31,116 deaths in Ireland in 2019. 31,765 deaths in Ireland in 2020. These are CSO figures. An increase of 600 in the year of a so-called unprecedented pandemic. These are the words of the person who I don't think has left their name. And yet PJ says just over 5,000 people died from COVID in Ireland. Can you explain some of us, or is it a case of don't tell the truth or don't let the truth get in the way of a good story? You really are a scaremongering, nervous Nelly. And you really are someone who has been falling for the old trick of manipulating a CSO figure, which doesn't tell you how people died. But there are 5,006 confirmed deaths of people following a diagnosis of COVID-19 in this country. You can throw CSO figures at me all day. It's one of the favourite tricks, actually, of those who'd like to tell us there isn't a pandemic, is to look at CSO figures and tell us, look at that now, look at that now. But the CSO figure doesn't tell you what people died of. So, where's your argument? 5,006 people have passed away having been diagnosed with COVID-19. And by the way, to every single one of the families of those 5,006 people, throwing that statistic out there as if it was going to blow my argument out of the water or anybody else's argument out of the water, well, that's an insult to every one of those families. That accident at the Jack Lynch Tunnel has been cleared. Uh, incident cleared from tunnel northbound on N40. Delays easing queue has shortened, extending back to Mahan Junction 10 at this stage. We don't know whether anybody was uh, hurt in that accident, but at least it has now been cleared. Thanks for that. Mentioned fundraisers while ago. I want to, to just give this a quick a quick shout. Ryan Cantwell. Uh, you remember his mom, Carmel. She's been a regular guest on the programme. She's one of the uh, Besbra activists and has been with me on the program many times over the years but the last time she was on she was talking about Ryan very very fit young 23 year old lad sports fanatic very proud member and very high achieving member of BlackRock GAA but he suffered a blood clot on his brain following shoulder surgery a routine shoulder surgery last November 
and he's recovering. His recovery is very slow. It's left him with a number of different issues ongoing. But he wants to return to education and complete his master's. Uh, He'll need a specially modified car because he can only drive using his left hand and his left foot. But his friends and his brother, Elliot, have put up a GoFundMe page for him. If you're interested in it, particularly, I guess, if you're a supporter of BlackRock GAA who'd know the lad, uh, the aim is to raise 50,000. And just looking at it in front of me here now, they're well over 40,000 at this point, which is great to see. The Ryan Cantwell Fund, you'll find it on GoFundMe, 1850-715-996. Last week, we were talking about sustainability and the environment and plastic and things you can't buy anymore like straws and plastic cutlery and plastic plates and and all of that and the subject was raised in comments of bringing back cloth nappies and I goes oh my god the very thought the very my two were brought up with pampers or whatever else we had at the time I remember my cousins and whatever being raised with cloth nappies. I'm sure I was kept in a cloth nappy back in the day. But the thought of a cloth, I couldn't. I had the very thought of a cloth nappy that I can't just take and flip and put in the bin when I'm done with it. <laughs> Got a few responses. People telling me, actually, they're coming back big time. Christine. Hi, how are you, PJ? How are you getting on? The thought... I'm a nappy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I must say, thanks for having me on. Um, it's a brilliant opportunity. There's a huge cloth community. Um, and it's taking off big time, not just in Ireland, but across the world. Right. Um, yeah, I did a quick survey last night on the Facebook chat page for cloth bums, cloth Irish cloth nappies. And there's nearly 300 households in Ireland at the moment using cloth. Why would you go back to something as inconvenient rather than just bag it up and chuck it in the bin? And that's why I look to come on the show and that's why I suppose I have an Instagram page and I'm just sharing my my experience with Thought Nasty. Oh my God, I have no idea what our parents must have gone through. It is absolutely nothing like that whatsoever. Like, what about the big safety pin that either stabbed you or the child? Imagine a disposable, but imagine it's made out of fabric. Right, tell me more. So you, I can get very technical. So there's different fabrics um, to use for different absorbencies. So just imagine it's disposable, but it's made out of fabric with a waterproof lining. You put it on the baby the same way, and you can either use poppers or use Velcro. So right. you close it. So the one nappy will actually do the baby from about eight, not a quite eight-pound baby, but a bigger baby, till they're potty trained. Oh, so there's no more pins? No more pins. You can still use the Terry Thousand pins if you wish. They're still available to buy. Uh, but you can go back to the one-piece nappy or your pocket nappies. I won't get too technical because it can be a bit what's overwhelming. A, what's, a, what's a pocket nappy? So it's a liner with, and you put the, the absorbance layer into the, into the middle of the nappy. Oh, like in the old days, you put the, the nappy liner in and then you... And then you did, right, that's it's gone. Terry Towns, yeah. Right. And then you, you had to put the plastic pants on over that then. Yeah, so the, the outer layer now is much nicer. And um, if you go into hashtag give cloth a go or hashtag make laundry not landfill, you will see hundreds and hundreds of pictures of beautiful, beautiful yeah, nappies. I've got some we pictures up in front. They're all, they're all nicely coloured and, and I see the poppers. It's amazing. And it's but, nothing like what our parents would have had to put up great. with. I just 
But come here, come here something, maybe I'm missing a trick here. Like, you, you still have to clean it. So, so doesn't that drive your electricity bill up? No, like we, we're lucky we have E-rated washing machines that our parents didn't have. We have long, much more economical 60 cycles. Um, we have two Cork suppliers, would you believe, of cloth nappies. Amy from the nappy camper, she's in Kinsale. And we have Lisa from Carrigaline, and she's the nappy rebel. Right. And we actually have handmade nappies being handmade in Middleton. So that those two girls are both selling Nikita's nappies. Right. Are they uh, expensive? No, like I, my, I originally looked into cloth nappies when I was expecting my first child uh, for financial reasons. We all know the state of the country was in 10 years ago. Yeah. So I did the math. The math added up. But first baby, I'd never seen anyone using cloth. Oh my God, how is this going to work? And to be honest, I got absolutely overwhelmed with the whole idea. I was going to be going back to work. What would I do then? Because yeah, I can remember as a, as, as a new dad, right? Yeah. Being faced with this thing that basically just was either spewing at one end of the other at all hours of the day and at night. And I would think if I had to take cloth and fold it and fit it, sure, I'd still be there. You don't have to fold it. You yeah. don't have, my husband, it was actually my husband's idea to come on the radio. He heard you and he said, you really need to tell him it's not that bad. My <laughs> first two were in disposables, so I know what disposables are like. I know what to stink. Yeah. Um, and cloth is nothing like that. We actually don't know when the baby's done a poo, only for when he's giving out. Really? Okay, okay. Yeah, so the natural fibres eliminate the smell, so you don't really have a stinky nappy like yeah. you do with the disposables. Yeah. And, and it contains two nappies. I'm not washing as many, I'm hardly ever washing poo out of clothes, to be honest, yeah. uh, because the cloth contains the poo right. a lot better. And, and didn't you have to, again with the old terry, you had to soak them then in None nappy that, sand? No. That's gone, no. is it? That's gone. So basically, I'd use the cloth. I use cloth wipes, so they're much easier to use one cloth wipe than ten disposable cloth or disposable wipes. That goes into the nappy, nappy goes into a bin or a bag. People have different wash routines, this is mine. I put it into a 25 swing litre bin and every two to three days then go through the nappies into the washing machine, cold wash, quick 30 and along 60 out into the line. Right. And it, I felt <laughs> a nice colourful line as opposed to the rows and rows of white ones. Exactly. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Like, and I've had two in disposables, so I can make the comparison. Yes. And wait, the July being no plastic July. This time round, I said, look, I look into cloth again. Financially, we're better off than what we were ten years ago. Thank God. So I was doing my homework, and definitely my motivation this time round is environmental. Right. Right. It's not people, and I think I look. There's enough parents to get it out there. I understand why we use disposables. I've done it with my first two. Right. But I think we need to learn, and I think it's very important our councils get on board with this because in the UK, the councils run the nappy libraries. How? Whoa, whoa, so, whoa, 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 nappy library. Yes, a nappy. Li- so okay, a nappy library wasn't there ten years ago. So when I looked into cloth nappies this time, the first thing I did was book a loan from a nappy library. So a bunch of mammies that were using cloth and set up a nappy library. It's now available countrywide. So you can hire a loan of nappies for a month for a newborn or you can do a long-term loan if you don't have the financial means to buy cloth nappies. So even buying new nappies for me this time around, I'm still going to break even. I see. I see. So you can, if there's people struggling financially, and we all know how expensive even the cheap nappies are, the cheapest frozen nappies are, you can actually hire a nappy loan for, I don't know, the 40 euros for months and end. Okay. So how can people find out some more, Christine? 
Okay, so they can go onto the Nappy Library, um, which is just the Nappy Library Ireland, and they'll have information on the website. There's a Nappy chat page, um, Claude Nappy Ireland, or Claude Nappy chat page. Now, the amount of information is overwhelming, and that's what put me off initially. Different manufacturers and a different washing routine. As I've mentioned already, we've two suppliers of a range of nappies in Cork. My advice would be after they get a loan from the Nappy Library to see is it for them, definitely make contact with one of the two girls to see which nappy suits your lifestyle. Because there's different choices of nappies. You've got all-in-ones, you've got pockets, you've got two parts. And if that amount of information has put people off trying cloth, not the washing, because we've washed machines, we've warmer houses, you know, we've much better set up than what our parents were. My mother thinks they're amazing. She said if she had those 30 years ago, she would never have needed a disposable nappy. Well, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, and she has spoken to a few of her friends who are grandmothers as well at this stage, and they're absolutely fascinated, not only from the convenience of a cloth nappy today, but the environmental impact. And if the manufacturing of disposables is absolutely shocking, it takes four and a half trees alone for, to produce enough nappies for one child. There's an interesting statistic to, to finish one with. one cup of crude oil in each, to manufacture a one disposable nappy, it takes one cup of crude oil. Per nappy? Per nappy. Right, I'm not going to go any further because we all have enough going on, we have enough of guilt and there's yeah. enough trying to manage babies, but the environmental impact of okay. producing disposables is absolutely shocking, okay. let alone disposing of them. Okay. And this is, I think, if there's anybody from the council listening, it has to come, help, help needs to come from the council to help families make the choice to use cloth nappies, okay. from, even from disposing of them. All right. the well, amount, it- anyone working in landfill will see the amount of nappies that have been thrown away, and it can take them from two to 500 years to decompose. What? Yeah. Crikey. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm very strongly motivated about class nappies. All right. Because I was watching probably a bit too much David Attenborough when I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Christine, um, listen, so, a, most enlight- a most enlightening phone call. And thank you for it. And thank you for making contact with me last week. I'm always, I'm always happy to be told something has changed and it's not as bad as I thought it was. Always happy. Thanks, Christine, for that. And that would be it. For today, the programme edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe. And we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.